The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to planestalkerspodcast.com. Plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one mana. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel. We're proud members of the Planesalkers Podcasting Network. And sit down, because I got some bitching to do. <laughs> Matt, how you doing today? I'm doing all right. Uh, I already had my bitch fest about uh, un, the uns, Unfinity. Yeah. I already had that months ago. Oh, we did. We On on cast, we spent quite a bit of time complaining, yeah. complaining about it. And we're... We're thrashed by a couple people in the comments. It's almost as if we could see into the future. Yeah. So I've just let the the sticker shenanigans kind of roll off my back. Oh, we're talking about it. Oh, we will. And don't give me, I have opinions, but like I'm just like, yep, called it. And then I just went back to playing uh, Final Fantasy X, which is what I've been playing uh, the past uh, week or so. Um, just working on maxing out that file. Uh, I've got just a lot of grinding to do. So like, there's the original game had uh it's an arena you kill enemies and you capture them and then as you capture these enemies it unlocks uh basically additional bosses you can fight and whatnot Mm -hmm. i'd done all that in the original game then they there was an international version that introduced more bosses uh and then when they they made the version i'm playing which is the hd remaster of final fantasy 10 and 10 2 um they added all that content in there so like I haven't played it. I haven't fought any of these bosses. Basically, if you know anything about Final Fantasy X, there are summons. They're called uh, Aeons, I think. Sure. And they're basically just big monsters. Uh, the main character, although you don't play as her, but the main character in the story is her name's Yuna. She's a summoner. She can summon these monsters. She's on a quest to defeat the big bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like any of the final typical Final Fantasy uh, summons, so like Afrit and Shiva, stuff like that, they're all in there. Um, <laughs> But the additional bosses are like evil versions of them, I guess. They're called like the Dark Aeons. So you can go around and fight them for rewards and stuff like that. And I've beaten like one of them, uh, probably the easiest. His name's uh, Dark Yojimbo, who's just a samurai. Uh, But you can actually farm him a little bit to get some items and whatnot. But like Final Fantasy X has a big sphere grid. That's how you level up. So it's Uh just a giant map of nodes that you activate. When you level up, you get to move. Mm, Yeah. And then you get items that activate the actual nodes. Um, so I just l- finished maxing that out today. I got the achievement for it and everything. So every node is filled because there's a bunch of empty nodes. Yeah. And then you can fill them in with whatever stats you want and whatnot. Oh, that's cool. Um, like in the way the, the classes work in the game is each character starts at a certain position in the map. And that map is kind of dedicated to a t- traditional class. So you've got like uh, the knight character who has like all the breaks, which is what Final Fantasy knights do they uh, basically they do attacks that damage the stats of enemies they're called break so you do like armor break and it reduces your defense stuff oh, like that it's like uh it's like sand attack and uh pokemon sure that kind of stuff you're adding like you add debuff to their stats or right whatever. so you've got like a white mage node a black mage node uh kamari starts in the middle so he can go anywhere uh you've got like titus who's kind of like the more agile character so he's he's not quite a thief but closer to that then you've got a uh, riku who's kind of the thief so you got just those kind of things, and then you can move throughout, and as you progress, you can eventually fill the whole thing up, and everyone mm-hmm. can do everything, except no one can summon, which is what Yuna does. So gotcha. you're an idiot, in my opinion, if you don't play her, because she does the one unique thing, Yeah, and she can still learn everybody else's stuff. Yep, so there's she, 
everyone she can be everyone but everyone can't be her correct um and then they do have other stuff too like their limit breaks are they're called overdrives in this they do they do big attacks after they've met certain conditions mm-hmm. um they all have different uh overdrives so that is a thing and their ultimate weapons have different effects so that's another difference between the characters as far as like gameplay stuff goes in the end game but i've just been grinding my face off because like you need really high stats yeah so like i'm fighting like i've had most of the sphere grid finished for a while like uh-huh. i'd kind of done a ton of grinding and set it down and i just picked it up this week and so i'm fighting dark yojimbo and i just keep missing because not only does your accuracy need <laughs> capped, you need like a hundred and something, like 150 or 170 luck as well. Mm-hmm. Because luck also contributes to your so accuracy, your evasion, and mm-hmm. critical hit chance. So it's not like in like Dark Souls where it's, it's useless. Right. It, it Luck and apparently, uh, so I've just been doing some reading, luck is basically the best stat in this game. Oh. Uh, it's also the hardest to farm. So like... Traditionally, the way you fill up these sphere grids is you fight bosses and they drop the things that can turn an empty node into the stat you want and the items that turn them on. You keep fighting these bosses. Most of them are not that big of a deal. The Mm -hmm. two you need to fight for luck take like three to five minutes per fight and you get two of the nodes. So you can turn two nodes into luck spheres and then for one fight and then you fight the other guy and you can activate two of them. And each luck node gives you four luck and you need about 170 to 255 oh, okay. luck. So the numbers are for quite a three bit, characters. The numbers are quite a bit higher. Like yeah, you get two or you know every couple of minutes you get two or three, but not when you need 200 of them. Right. So been doing that. Um, and I'm trying to do this. Like when I end up having like big grindy projects, I try to like break them down into chunks. So like I'll be like grinding on luck until I can't really tolerate fighting this boss anymore, and then fight some other boss that's a little easier. Just do whatever. Just mm-hmm. kind of bounce around a little bit, but. That's what I've been doing as far as that goes. Been bouncing around on games, just trying to find something that kind of like hooked me in again. Yeah. Like I've mentioned, I'm trying to get back into gaming more. Um, but Final Fantasy X is the one that reeled me in. Um, I have another game I didn't even know. So they, I think it was last year, they remastered uh, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. And you and I actually played that upstairs for a few hours. Oh, that's it was just played. like that hack and slash yeah. thing. That had really good water for no reason. Right. Just in PlayStation 2, it's just like, wow, that's the most amazing water we've ever seen. Yeah. I remember, I remember. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I was just like looking on, I don't even remember what it was, like Reddit or something. And they were like, yeah, I mean, you could just play Baldur's Gate 2. That just came out this week. And I was like, oh, what? Excuse me? Yeah. So I'm looking around and it's a rele- it's been released on Steam and it's been released on three or Xbox and Switch, I think. But apparently there's an issue with the PlayStation 4 store. Oh, so you can't buy it? So I can't buy Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance 2 yet. Of course. <laughs> so I've been checking the store every day because I'm like, uh, Please hell yeah, this. I want to buy that. You're, uh, the, you're the meme of Fry screaming, take my money. <laughs> take my money. Yeah. Why won't somebody sell me this shit? Yeah. So like, cause, uh, um, just so you know, like the it's the same basic game, like uses the same engine and everything. Uh, there's five characters instead of three. They're all new characters. Um it has a lot more so in the original Baldur's Gate like you've got very little customization options the game isn't really designed for you to get to max level but you can so like you can just fill in the entire like talent tree thing and at that point you're just looking for uh the the plusing system that D&D uses goes up to plus 15 in that so you're just looking for plus 15 of all your gear yeah um 
Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance 2, they introduce a bunch of different gem types, which all do different things. You can like socket your gear. There's more classes to play. Like there, if from what I remember, there's more levels. Like it's just a bigger game. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm hoping that comes out by the time my buddy from Seattle gets here. So that'd be awesome to play. Uh, the other thing that made me really excited about it is uh, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. And Dark Alliance 2, as far as I know, use the same engine as the Champions of uh, Norath and Return to Arms games. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong there, but they look basically identical. Gotcha. And Return to Arms is a f- the best out of the four. Like, that game is huge. It has a ton of characters. It has a ton of options. It has a ton of side quests. It's, like, the pinnacle of that style of gaming, which, in my opinion, is, like, the best couch co-op type of game. Gotcha. So, like, my hope is, and that's what got me excited when I first saw they were like, hey, we're doing Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. I was like, sweet. Maybe in four years I'll get returned to arms and they'll just work through the series. Yeah. Although, realistically, they just need to skip Champions of Norath, Champions of Norath, because it's basically the same game as Return to Arms. Gotcha. But hopefully within a year or two, we'll get returned to arms and that'll be awesome. And so. Get to start working through your, like. Yeah. I, it's getting to the, the point where, like, old games. And the. Uh, so I had mentioned a few weeks ago uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge game came out, mm-hmm. which is brand new. Um, but there's also, they're doing a, it's called the Kawabunga Collection, which is like all the old games on one collection. And that comes out August 30th. So like, oh sweet. I was hoping that would, would have been out within the next couple of weeks so I could yeah. play it again with uh, Ryan, but it's still coming out this month uh-huh. in August. Um, so like... That's going to be awesome. Like, I'm just slowly, like, ticking off. Like, the past couple of years have been really good as a retro gamer because mm-hmm. they they seem to have, like, clued into the fact that, hey, you can convince millennials to just give you $30 for the same game they paid $60 for 20 years ago. Yep. <laughs> and I'm just like, yes, please. You can run it through a simple re-render. Right, and that's all I, that's all I want to do because I'm sitting there, I'm watching, I'm playing Final Fantasy X on my, like, giant TV. I'm like, this looks amazing Mm -hmm. like it's not like you know the most beautiful game ever given like the way graphics have advanced or whatnot but like it's you know full hd it looks really good Well, compared to what it looked like in 1999 or 2002 so like i'm just like i just would love to be able to play all these retro games on my new tv with one system one or two systems like so like nintendo always they they will not let go of their exclusives like yeah. that's just not gonna happen so if you want to play any nintendo or any like mario games you got to have a switch um but i do i got that extra dock down here now so yep. all i got to do is just pop my switch down here play it there and i've got like i would love to have just a giant collection of like remastered games yeah luckily my wife watched her switch yeah it was, <laughs> i think i told that story blessing in disguise yeah. <laughs> where she, your wife accidentally destroyed her switch yeah we had to buy a new one and had an extra dock lying around yep. so we could sell it to you yeah, and I was just like, hey, I need to get a new dock. He's like, I got an extra one. Yeah, I'll sell it to you cheap. Yeah, here's 50 bucks. You're good to go. So, yeah, I've just been doing that, playing Final Fantasy X. I haven't been playing many video games as a intellectual. <laughs> I have been enjoying the finer things in life, like literature. <laughs> I got hooked on the on the second Ender Games book. Yeah. Um, I read, read the first Ender Games. It was one of those things, uh, I'm a part of your audacity. Audible. Audible. Audacity is a recording software. Audible. And so I get access to your library, which is really cool. It's a nice thing you do because I have a library of audiobooks, dozens and dozens. And uh, I was really bored and I was rolling through the titles trying to find something to read. And I saw Ender's Game 
And I know that like five or six years ago, the movies were huge. Ender's Game came out. It was a really big deal. And I never watched it. But I knew it was a huge pop culture phenomenon. So I'm like, well, maybe the books are good. And I read it, listened to it. It was a really good book. Really enjoyed it. And you had told me that you weren't a huge fan of the rest of them. They just kind of diverted from what the the first book was about. And so you didn't read them. You didn't have them. And I wasn't really buying books at the time. Well, I had some extra credits on the thing. I buy credits from you. And I was like, I need something to read. Uh, I was reading the Witcher series. And the first four, in my opinion, are pretty good. I got to Lady in the Lake, and I couldn't get—I couldn't finish it. I couldn't read it. I couldn't even listen to it. <laughs> right. I'm, You've got a bad book when I turn off the passive listening. <laughs> yes, I like—I'm just listening while driving around delivering stuff, and I couldn't finish it. It just—I would rather have nothing. I'd rather at work. have. Yeah, I'd have nothing. I was putting on just generic podcasts, a generic discussion podcast. Yeah. So I went ahead and bought the second Ender's Game book, which is Speaker for the Dead, and holy cow, that book was good. I it's an old it came out in 2001. I just finished it today, which I was really bummed out because I can't I don't really have the money to throw at buying the rest of them. Mm-hmm. But I really want to see what happens next because it's such a good book. Uh, and I won't spoil it because I actually highly recommend if you haven't read Ender's Game, it's a very good book. It's a really cool thing. The only thing I would change about it is Ender's Game is is based around Ender who is like nine. He's like six for a lot of the book. He's like between six and nine. Yeah. And I wish. Uh, It makes sense now, and I'll tell you why in a second. Uh, But I wish they'd written it with him being a little older. Some of the things they had him do, I get that Ender is supposed to be like the the 1% 1 of humanity in this book and what he can do, but like as a nine-year-old, it was just a little far-fetched. I wish they'd made him like a 13-year-old. Because the difference between an eight-year-old and a 12-year-old is insane. Yeah. So like if they could have just pushed that back a few years, I'd have liked it better. Regardless, book's amazing. So this book involves, and I, I say everyone should go read it because it's amazing, but it involves basically him taking a, like a 20-ish year jump in his life. So now he's like, or no, I think he's in his 30s. So he'd be like a 25, 30 year jump in his Those life. Those damn millennial. Yeah, basically. And he's literally a millennial. It is such a cool book with what they put him through. And it, it really scratched an itch for me because as a, I went to college for conservation. I love animals. I love uh, I love uh, nature and like what's it An- humans? It's anthro. What's it called when you're anthropology? Studying? Anthropology. That for like so zoology and yeah. that kind of stuff. Like I love looking at um, natural systems and asking like why did this form? How did this form? Why is it like this? And so this book is based on a different planet. And the whole premise of the book, I don't feel as bad telling you that we like they find another alien species and they're like, holy crap, we gotta like <laughs> we gotta not fuck this up. Because in the first book's kind of about fucking it up, so the second book's about not fucking it up. Mm-hmm. But it's really cool to um, all the little. It, it's a big part of the book where they're trying to figure out why this planet is the way it is. So, like one of the things you learn in the book is this whole planet. Um, they only find like thirty unique species of things, like twenty to thirty unique species of things on land, and that's like animals, plants, bugs. Mm-hmm. That's in that's the it. dirt, in the. On, by the rivers, in the forests, it's all like one or two trees. It's like three bugs. And so, like as the book, obviously, you learn why that is, and it's really cool. I'll tell you about it if you want. I won't tell the I won't tell the listeners, but it's really cool. And on top of, there's like some really cool drama. There's some really cool stories going on. I think it's written very well. Uh, I love that book, and I'm looking forward to reading the rest of it. That reminds me of a South Park episode. Oh, of course it does. <laughs> my wife and I've been making our way through South Park. And yes, please shit on this book. I really enjoyed it. This book's really deep, too. It's not shitting on it at all. 
the funny thing about it is like as they're working their way through this adventure because every episode uh the kids from south park go on an adventure uh-huh. that's what the whole show's about um they get abducted by aliens they found they find out that earth is a reality tv show of course and they're talking about it and what they had done is they took apparently in the south park universe according to these aliens every species has its own planet so there is a planet of giraffes and deer and lions and, and so what they did oh. is they took all of them and, and put, them, put on. them on earth and just watch as the insanity ensues Got you. <laughs> That, that, is, that just reminded me of it very because I was just like, yeah, I was just like, well, humans have their their yeah. one planet. But it's like anyone that knows anything about ecology, yeah. just like it's you could you could spend days theorizing why an area, just an area, would only have like five species of things. Yeah, that's so insane. And this it's a whole planet, and there's tons of there's tons of like is really it a reality cool tv show it, it is not i will say it's not <laughs> a reality spoilers. tv show it's not being ran by an alien who's a taco that poops ice cream man there's like there's heartbreak and like real crazy development of characters and it's really cool uh anyway but the last thing i'll tell you so at the end of it you get a little post credit from the author and you haven't read them so you know this he wrote ender's game so he could write speakers of the dead ender's game was just the prologue for speakers of the speaker of mm-hmm. the dead, like he, um, he's talking about that was the book he wanted to write. He, the idea came to him of, um, for that book. I don't want to spoil too much of it, but, yeah. and he was like, well, I have to, I have to build the world first, so I'll build a, <laughs> I'll build one of the best selling books ever, just so I can tell this other story. Yep. Well, that's very kind of Tolkien esque, where he, like Tolkien wants to write languages, but he's like, I have to have a world uh-huh. that these people and populate yep. because like language doesn't mean any, language doesn't make sense without context. Yeah. So like he creates the context for the languages he wants and to as write. It turns out, and as it turns out, he invents book. the entire Western canon of fantasy. He sure does. <laughs> so really good book. It's um, Speaker of the Dead. Who's the by author? Orson Scott Card? By Orson or Orson Scott Card. Yeah. I said I can attest that at least the first two are amazing. Most people would have, you can tell the first one's good because it. They made three movies of it, didn't they? No, they only made one movie. Oh, it was only one the, movie. The movie, in my opinion, sucks. Uh, it, oh, wow, that sucks. They, the funny thing is, is like Ender's Game isn't a long book. It's not, and the movie just like brushed over a lot, a of, lot stuff. of it, and it felt, I don't know, I did not like the movie at all. Oh, gotcha. Um, well, I'll tell you, if you didn't like the movie either, try the book. The book's yeah. really good. Oh, well, I mean, obviously, I've read Ender's Game. I'm talking to yeah, the listeners. Yeah, but um, yeah, the movie sucks. I would avoid the movie definitely definitely if you're interested in this at all read the book before you watch the movie you do not want to watch the movie and then read the book yeah there's um i'm trying to tiptoe around there are major events that happen that you don't want spoiled by a crap movie that contains all there's there was several times uh, because i'm in the chat with uh derek from the family gathering podcast and matt and there were several times where i'd be listening and i'd pause it and i'd get in the chat and be like oh my god is this what's really happening and they'd be like yeah it's pretty fucked yeah (laughs) And so, it's not even just one. Like there's, there, a, yeah, there's there, like half a dozen like real yeah, spoilerish events. There's a lot of moments where like I would like you you get some information and you and you like you I would just pause and be like, oh my god. Yeah. Lots of happens in the background or like things that you just like they mesh together at one point or you'll see something and you'll be like, Holy shit, that's not what I thought. But yeah, Derek and I were actually reading Ender's Game way back when we were kids. I've got a uh one of the reasons I'm okay. Yeah, I don't mind saying this because it's they're on the podcast. Uh, one of the reasons I pulled it out was we were we were on our way up to play um, at Head to Head Games. Was it Head to Head Games? 
wherever we played that legacy event, yeah, over we were Ohio. talking to Derek about like why Valentine is named Valentine. And he'd like talking about how much he liked the book. And that's why it caught me like a month later. And I was like, I should give that book a try. Yeah. I'm very glad I did. It's a very yep. good book. I actually got another book going too. I won't go super in deep because we need to get going. But like I started reading a book called Swan Song about, uh, it's about a nuclear war. Is it cost one blue? No. Oh. Counter target instant and sorcery or enchantment. it apparently have some supernatural shit going on. It reminds me a little bit of The Stand. Uh, far fewer characters than The mm-hmm. Stand. Um, but there's... There's basically a catastrophe, an apocalypse. In the stand, it's a it's a plague mm-hmm. uh, that kills almost everybody. Um, in this, it's nuclear war, um, and there are touches of the supernatural, but it's really interesting. So I like stories. That I've involve... been trying to like listen to audiobooks while I'm pl- while I'm grinding on yeah. Final Fantasy. I like I like stories in general that involve a little bit of magic. Yeah, it just it opens when done well. It it. It gives so much opportunity to a writer to have just a little bit of magic in the world. And, like, for Ender's Game, it's kind of set in the pseudo-far-flung future where technology is really advanced. Yeah. I mean, uh, travel to the moon is relatively trivial. Or right. travel to a space station is relatively trivial. Like, and that's pseudo-magic. At, like, when technology gets that advanced, when you yeah. can be like... If you can go to another planet, you are magical yeah. from where we're at. If you can just... If you can be like, I'm going to go to the moon tomorrow, and I'm taking this person with me now. Yeah. That's... We're approaching magic. <laughs> I mean, literally, if it was 150 just years ago. Just reminded me of the Futurama episode where Fry really wants to go to the moon, and they've turned the moon into a theme park. Oh. <laughs> it's like Disney World, but for kids. So, like, they're going through, like, stupid moon rides. Yeah, it's, it's Disney World. And he's just like, no, I want to go to the actual moon. <laughs> so, like, he takes, like, one of the, they've got, like, one of the rides that's on a track, and yeah, he and steals he the car. It, drives it. <laughs> Yeah, I remember. And well, that gets killed. Wasn't that the episode where it's, it's like, like episode one or two? It might have been one. Well, but it's like episode one, I think, because he gets to do space travel. He's yeah. like, "Can I do the countdown for the launch?" Yeah, and he's, he's like, ten, nine, there. eight, we're here." <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes. Because and that's that kind of drives the point home because like and I mean this wasn't even that far. It was long a thousand. Back. It, it was, was in the nineties. It, it went from. Yeah, yeah, but the show was it was set in the year like three thousand and one. Yeah. So like in a thousand years. Yeah. You're doing shit that's completely the, unimaginable. The delivery to company, yeah, just like yeah, we're gonna go to the moon. We're gonna be there and like, oh, we're here. Yeah, so it was a quick jaunt to the moon. Yeah. Anyway, we'll do a quick. We'll do a really quick shout out. Uh, shout out to our patrons. If you want to support us in a very direct fashion, uh, patreoncom cantrip cartel Emperor, Rogue, Derek. Uh, Ashley, Eric, Monowolf, Ethan, and CJ. Huge shout-outs to Emperor for putting us up on Reddit every week. I did see that he got his T-shirt in the mail the other day. He's yep. coming up in his three months. I sent him out a little early because I want to hook our patrons up. So he got his T-shirt in the mail. He's super happy about it. Um, Monowolf, yours should be in the mail very, very soon. I've got it ordered. Uh, Derek and Ashley are with the Family Gathering Podcast. They're not our sister show, but they're very good personal friends of ours, and we really appreciate getting to hang out with them whenever we can and repping their show. And their support means a lot. The Planeswalkers podcast is back. They are recording. They're putting up episodes. So if you want to check them out live on twitch.com forward slash Planeswalkers, or is it, I mix it up all the time. It's twitch.tv forward slash Planeswalkers. Yep. And that's where you can watch their stuff on Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard. Uh, usually on Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, their stuff comes out and it's pretty much everywhere. If you listen to podcasts, you can find it. And then that same Twitch, you can check them out on Wednesday for CommanderCraft. Head over to their Discord, discord.plainsuckerspodcast.com for a really fun, thriving community that we're a part of also where there's always kind of fun stuff going on. We're actually working on right now. Uh, we had someone, I can't remember who it was on the Discord, but they gave us a pioneer list to dig through. And Matt and I were digging through it a little bit earlier, and we're going to be getting a response to them soon with a uh, 
kind of a retooling and just kind of look at, take a look at what we think. So if you ever want to ask us any questions about the eternal formats or talk to them about the standard format or commander or just talk about magic in general, it's a great place to be. Alrighty, so uh, we rambled a little bit and we're going to ramble a little bit at the end because I got some complaining to do. But so quickly, how's Legacy looking? Uh, more of the same. Um, this top eight doesn't have a ton of the, uh, doesn't have any of the like really rogue decks that it's had over the past couple months, like once a week or once every couple weeks, we'll have something pop up that we haven't seen in a while. Yeah. Uh, this stuff is pretty standard stuff. Uh, Delver is still clearly the most played deck, whether or not it's the most dominant deck is where the debate is at, but it's clearly the most played deck. Uh, I think fourth place is kind of interesting. It's a pretty cool spice. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, well, we can talk about that. Yeah. Um, I, I saw blue-white. I didn't... Oh, you guys, I, I saw, you saw it was you saw, control. I, in fairness, I saw Azorius control as well, but it's actually not Azorius control yeah. at all. It's... So, yeah, we'll definitely go over fourth place. Um, but first place, brought it home, uh, we got Red Painter, uh, piloted by Delthar. So, he's going over the list here. Oh, it's goblins. Yeah, it's the best goblin deck, yeah. or at least tied for the best goblin deck with Red Prison. <laughs> the only deck that runs more Pyroblast There's in the main. goblins all over the place in Legacy, and <laughs> it's just like, can we just get them all in one deck? Nope. Nope. They are. They're all right here. They're Goblin Welder and Goblin Engineer. There's, yeah. there's eight of them. Well, then you got Rabble Master and the other dude, and then there is technically a goblin deck. It doesn't show up all the time, but like, yeah. it's, I mean, it's, it's definitely what I would call a solid tier two deck. Mm -hmm. Like, if you like playing Goblin Tribal, it's playable in Legacy. And it's probably got a decent matchup against Delver. Just for There's the a value. couple of cool cards in here. Yeah, so we've got uh, the Twin Shot Viper, which we've seen before out of sniper. Kamigawa. Uh, twin Shot Sniper. Sniper. Um, Enunciation, Matt. It's the only um, thing we do. I didn't in pronounce it incorrectly. I just read yeah, the wrong fucking I guess word. that's true. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a lack of enunciation. <laughs> yeah. It was just poor poor reading. Um, it's a cool Kamigawa card. Yeah, it's it is. a four-mana 2-3 that has reach, but when it ETVs, it deals two damage to any target but you can also evoke it for one in a red so it's like it's like a bad shock but it's uncounterable yeah or it's not evoke it'd be a channel yeah so, channel so, so it's kind of cool yeah and there's even one on the side and I, we've talked about it before it's been it's been around in painter basically since it came out uh first obviously to get tested and then i think it's very much yeah, uh, it's earned it's, its spot um it's good enough it picks off it picks off delvers it, pick, it helps pick off hate pieces in the second and third game Yep, and it gets bounced back and forth with Goblin Welder. They hate creatures. Yeah, hate bears. Yeah. Um. So like, there's some value there. Uh. Not to mention, it is a two-three reach, which in a combo deck can matter quite a bit. Mm -hmm. It's not going to kill a Merktide, but it can buy you a turn for yeah. sure. And that's sometimes that literally you need a turn. Yeah. So I mean, if you're sitting there, you you're just like, I just need to untap with this combo. I mean, or, or, or realistically, when you have a welder, it's not unreasonable. You can just you can just blank a Merktide where you're welding it in and out of turn every yep. turn. Like, Absolutely. Weld it in. They go to attack and you know you declare a block and then weld it out for something else. Yeah, well, I mean, like the if you're talking about going grindy, you got your Icker Wellspring. So every time you're doing that, you're shocking them and you're drawing two cards. Yep. Like that's a very that's very good value. Yeah. So this deck can grind. It it doesn't play anything anything like elves, but it has a very similar kind of like approach to a game of Magic where it's mm -hmm. got a combo and a very grindy game plan as well. So it obviously it goes about it a wildly different way with an A B combo rather than you have you know elves like A B C D E F G <laughs> yeah. you know all the way down the line combo the entire freaking alphabet combo. It's oddly enough, this deck does almost the exact opposite of drawing your entire yeah, library instead of drawing your deck. You're, you <laughs> you build your opponents. Um, 
so yeah like i i've always had kind of a soft spot for painter it's not something i play uh obviously you can i mean you can play plenty of decks in legacy but elves is my deck yeah. so um just going down the list we got your five blasts that makes perfect sense especially i mean those have always kind of been a thing with painter because of painter servant you make everything blue yep. and then you've got one mana removal encounters makes perfect sense they're also just way better without a painter now did i tell you i was watching a uh, i was watching a stream and somebody played a painter and named blue and then the opponent or sorry then they did something else and the opponent uh force of willed it pitching wasteland because Wasteland's yep. now blue. Waste, Wasteland's blue now. And I was like, I never thought of that. That's yep. crazy. You got to pay attention. <laughs> yeah. Talk about incidental problems with main aiming blue. Yep. Worst of all, gets a little bit better. Um, but going down the rest of the list, uh, about the only thing I've seen that I haven't seen a ton of is Soul Guide Lantern. I could be wrong there. And then we've got Fable of the Mirror Breaker in the main. Mm, and then yep. going over the lands, um, these look fairly typical. We've got uh, the... So, Kudzan. Sokazan. Sokazan. Um, which makes sense. Again, that's probably just better than the Eighth Mountain. Yeah. Realistically. Uh yes, Wasteland's around, but it's one it's a one of in your deck. It does a thing. Yep. You can make some one ones to, to block. And block. realistically, there's probably some weird interaction that we're not seeing just glancing at the list and not being Possibly. painter and you know, something with the colorless spirit tokens or something that's, like that. That's in that same tier of like um what's the blue one? There's the Odawaro. Odawara and Iganjo, where like their utility isn't great, but it's better than like when you're flooding out and your fifth, you can either have a fifth land or a spell. Yeah. Even an inefficient spell is way better than a fifth or sixth land. Yeah. I mean, if you're on turn 10 and you go Sokazan or yeah. Mountain. Or, oh, yeah. Exactly. So you can either have two, 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 one, ones or nothing. Yep. Um, going through the sideboard. Uh, I don't think I see anything in no, here that's not to be expected. Nothing. Nothing super spicy in the side either. So looks like a relatively stock painter list. Um, so congrats to the winner on that one. Uh, again, I don't want to spend a ton of time on Delver. Uh, Blue Red Delver brought it home in second and third. Uh, let me make sure I'm talking about the right positions real quick. Second place is second Delverless place, Delver. Yeah, it's Delver, Delverless Delver with Ledger Shredder instead. And then third place is, <clears> is almost exactly traditional Delver. Yeah, the Chain Lightning two, to one bobble. Two blasts in the main, like that's kind of a lot, but it's exactly Delver. Yeah, and well, we say it's kind of a lot, but in, in reality... <laughs> oh, it's insane. It's, it's absurd the fact that you're running, yeah. you're running blasts in the main. Yep, so just go through the sideboards. I don't see anything interesting there. Let me look at mine. So... Fourth no. place. <laughs> the fourth place is, so it's a Yorion list. It's blue-white. I'm going to see if I can tag it. I see Displacer Kitten, and I've heard some shenanigans with that. Yep, so that's that's the big card. Yeah. Now, I don't mean to be rude. Do you know how Displacer Kitten wins immediately with Teferi or Karn? Let me look at it. It's very convoluted. It takes a Whenever lot of clicks. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, exile up to one target non-land permanent you control, then return them. So it's pretty obvious how that goes crazy with Planeswalkers. Mm-hmm. So it's, is it just A and B, or do you need a third card? Uh, Karn is A and B. Time Teferi is A, B, C. So with Teferi, as long as you can pair it with any artifact that costs zero, you can, you draw, can keep bouncing you it. You can draw your entire library. Yep. And you're not netting mana, but once you get once you draw your library and draw to the Mox Opal, now you're netting mana because yeah. you're playing it. Now you have your deck infinite There's mana. A zero drop enters. You flick it to Teferi. You float a mana. You bounce it again. And then with, you can make an infinitely big Chalice of the Void. Correct. You could. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, with Karn, it goes infinite because you can play the Karn. You go and you can go get Lion's Eye Diamond. Lion's Eye Diamond with Karn and Displacer Kitten is infinite mana. 
because you can because you how because you, you you get it back from oh yeah because because when you um I think and and I believe I think it's also Tormod script because Tormod script lets you exile it some somehow okay somehow you exile it and then Karn lets you get it from exile. Well, you you yeah. How do you I mean, sacrifice it and exile it? That's I can't remember what that. Well, is. you'd sacrifice it for mana, exile it with Tormod script. Yes. Uh no. But then you lose a Tormod script. Is it a Soul Guide Lantern where you just exile the? Maybe I would tell you that's no. the combo though. So the thing sure. is, the, Karn gets you all the pieces you need because you can do Karn and then you just keep minusing to get the rest of the pieces. Yeah. And with uh, Lion's Eye Diamond and something else, you get infinite mana. So with and then you pump that mana into a Walking Ballista and win. That's how the deck usually wins. So, so obviously, Karn with a Teferi and Displacer Kitten, or sorry, with a Teferi and Displacer Kitten and a draw spell, you're going to draw until you find your Karn, make tons of mana, and then you can make a giant Walking Blista. Karn yeah. just does it by itself. Yep. On top of being able to chase down Microsynth Lattice lines where you just lock them out of the game immediately. Yeah, well, and that's the thing is like this, you're looking, if you look at this kind of deck, it's running a ton of very good cards that like all kind of fit together anyways. Mm-hmm. And then you just throw in a couple pieces yeah. to like kind of make it to like really dial up the power yeah. of this deck. It's, this is this kind of feels like oh, we're on the list really quick. It's just good stuff with a hard with a combo finish. Yeah. So you've got eight, uh, and these are all four ofs. This this deck, in my opinion, definitely feels in its infancy because it like it literally displacer kitten is like eighty dollars a piece because they just came out on arena and chests or on Great. arena on MTGO. What sets it out on? Uh, the commander like a, set. I was going to say it looks like a commander it's set. It's a commander set. So you've got four Esper Sentinel, four Aethersworn Canonists. Those are just uh, those are just taxi pieces. Those are just trying to hate. And Aethersworn Canonists in this deck is, is huge. That's an amazing you card. Play, you only play one non-artifact anyway. Yep. Uh, you've got Ingenious Smith to dig through your deck. You have the four Displacer Kittens. You have the four you have four Thought Monitors to dig. And you have four Urza Lord High Artificer. Another place to dump mana, obviously. Also just a good four drop when you have the ability to take advantage of all these artifacts. And it is it is a win con if you're not able to combo off. You can just make make a fatty well, and it does start work playing your library as well with the artifacts because it can tap for blue. So when you blink, you can tap it for blue. Oh yeah, that's true. I didn't think you, that. So it's just another layer of yeah, like of being able to generate infinite mana quite yeah. easily. Yep. Then you've got uh, Teferi Time Raveler and Karn the Great Creator. Those are like the, those pair with Displacer Kitten. Those are the, the bees. Those are the bees. Yep. You got four Force of Wills and then. So Chalice, Lotus Petal, Mox Opal, all of these are zero-cost artifacts that help uh, keep it going. You have Aether, uh, Aether Spellbomb and Pithing Needle, Shadow Spear, and Soul Guide Lantern to go with your, I'm guessing... Urza Saga's in there. Urza yep. Saga package. So th- th- those first handful, obviously they you can get, except for Chalice, you can get them off of the Urza Saga, but they're though they're not there for that that's what soul guide lantern that's what shadow spear that's what pithy needles for and then you've got a land base full of artifact lands and just good stuff even like you're running so many artifact lands you're actually running the tapped ones they're indestructible yeah like that's you have not something i thought i'd see very often in you have legacy. two razor tide bridge which is the azorius indestructible etv tapped artifact land yeah the uh one of the interesting things about this is that it's a yorion list and I think Yorion has just you've we've taken the idea that you have to run a sixty card deck for it to be like competitive. Competitive. I mean it used and to just be, put a bullet in that head. Yeah. It used to be the word of the word of God right. that your deck better not ever have more than sixty one cards. I mean, for example, tell me why Yorion is so good in this deck. What Yorion by oh you can flicker your literally nothing in this deck has an ETB. 
Right. Which is kind of funny because it works with the displacer kitten. They well, all have thought active... monitor does. That's oh, it. yeah. Okay. Right. But Sorry. It, it, I yes, know, you're right. But yeah. It's, Other than the thought monitor, it's you're not running Yorion, so you can flicker thought monitor. Doesn't flicker thing. a goddamn thing in the deck. Right. Not efficiently. Yeah. It's and... just I, I think, and well, the thing I was going to say is like this is an eighty card combo deck. Yes. With no cantrips. Yeah. So it's it. Yeah, like I said, we talked about this many times. I've been of the strong opinion that like you can't convince me almost any deck is correct at sixty now. Like you people used to nail you to a stake if you were like, I run sixty two and they're like, You're stupid. Right. And it's like now you people who are brewing a combo deck, which I honestly believe this is a this is a Yorion deck because we still don't know what to cut yet. So we're running could all be. of it. Very like, easily could in be in the next in the next couple of months if this deck holds its power level and it stays playable, we might trim down to a more consistent sixty, but still. But well I mean it's, I would did fine. The uh, a little bit of evidence evidence against that that they might trim it down to sixty. The next deck is uh, Cephalid Breakfast. Uh, also a Yorion. Also combo a deck. combo Yorion list. Yeah. Like the fact of the matter is, this apparently is a... having an eight mana. F- what Yorion's a three five or a five five? Three, uh, three five. Four five. Four five something like that. Uh, four five flyer. Yeah. Apparently that's worth having twenty extra cards in. Yeah, your deck. which is huge. Now. From what I understand, let me look at the list. I don't want to. I mean, what is that? That's... There are more ETBs in Cephalid Breakfast. Yeah, but it's still not enough that you would go for roll Yoriana, right? Like, yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, for more evidence, and this is modern, but Aspiring Spike, whose deck I play, he he kind of brewed up Reanimator, a, the good Reanimator in uh, modern. He f- he fell in love with a more mid range eighty card Yorion Reanimator deck. Yep. And in modern, you only have uh, you only have one reanimate spell. That's good, and it's the two mana persist. Yeah, and you're, he's he, there's always the other ones you can run that are bad. But he's running an eighty card reanimator deck that is st- completely A plus B. You don't have very many Bs, and he's still running Yorion for eighty cards. Yeah, so I think my theory is if you want to run sixty three cards, don't let people tell you shit. That what's happening is that the it's not necessarily so the argument for 60 cards is you draw your best cards more consistently yeah. that's that's the to put it in its most simple terms that's the argument i think what yorion is showing is that by adding more cards there are decks that benefit from the reduction or change in the rate at which they're drawn uh-huh. more than the consistency if that makes sense so like we kind of touched on this a little bit and we got a little bit of pushback on like the uh, last week when we were talking about um, Stoneforge Mystic and having nine equipment in your deck, yeah. Um, which again, I was not saying Stoneforge Mystic was a bad card to have in your opening hand. It's the fact that you can literally, in theory, open a have an opening hand of all, all equipment. equipment. Yeah. <laughs> but what Yorion does is reduce that, so you can still run those cards, still have them in your deck to be fetched out with a uh, Stoneforge Mystic. Mm-hmm. But the odds that you draw three or four equipment in your opening hand that are literally uncastable or that you'll never play more than one or two of uh-huh. are reduced. It's re- it's changing the ratio at which you draw your cards. And I think that's what Yorion is showing. That's my theory is like, so like with something like Delver where the game plan is to do the exact same thing every single game, mm-hmm. it makes perfect sense that you want to be as consistent as possible. Yep. With some other decks where you're like, what... What is the correct turn and ratio that you draw Archon of Cruelty? Oh, yeah, it's it's way less. It's way it's it's yeah. It's not like, never ideally, but I, but sometimes yeah, because I have discard that's spells. What I mean. Like, and it seems to be what's happening is is like as people tinker with this, and we've kind of broken out of the dogmatic. You have to run a sixty card deck. Mm-hmm. People are finding that they're getting better draws and having better overall games. 
with having 80 cards in yeah. their deck, which is why a lot of this stuff, again, and I'm not, uh, this is all theory, but like the conventional wisdom says, especially with a combo deck, it needs to be 60 cards. You'd think. Because like that's uh, yeah. again that's the conventional wisdom. I mean this like what I want to do in this deck is I want to go turn three to fairy turn four displacer kit and win the game. Right. And if I'm not doing that, I'm not winning the game because I'm never gonna. You're never winning on. I, I guess you like, you're you're not winning on eight plus one Candace beats. You're not winning on thought right. monitor beats. And one Urza uh, having a play set of Urza Saga in an eighty card deck is not enough no. to not in a format that's really prepared for Urza Saga. Right. Gone are the days where you, like when Urza Saga first came out and the meta was still like figuring it out. You could totally go like turn two Urza Saga and just win the game off that. Yeah. Because like decks didn't have cards dedicated to handle that. Those that's gone. Yeah. Well, artifacts are now everywhere. Yeah. People are ready Legacy. to handle your con your constructs. Yeah, so I, I think that's what Yorion is messing with. Something I do want to talk about with this deck. I don't want to brush over how very spicy and very new this deck is. Like it, nothing, nothing like this existed before Displacer Kitten became a thing. Um, it is crazy. Displacer Kitten. In case people haven't heard of this card, uh, it's three and a blue for a two-two, and it has this dumb keyword avoidance, which is just whatever. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Just Whenever a you cast thing. a non-creature spell, exile up to one target non-land permanent. You control, then return it to the battlefield under your under its owner's control. So you flicker one of your non-land permanents. Now again, we talked. Matt read that, and it's like clearly that goes broken with most planeswalkers. Um, that in modern, it is the Sahili and Felidar Sovereign. Felidar Sovereign, I think. Uh, not Felidar Sovereign. What's the Felidar? Isn't it Felidar? It wasn't it's not Sovereign? That's the EDH card. Yeah. Uh, see, let me Google it. What it is is it's you know the. Sahili comes in, you can flicker a permanent, or it's no, Sahili makes Felidar a Felidar Guardian. Felidar Guardian. So Sahili like makes a 1 1, and it like flickers a thing and makes a 1 1, and Felidar Guardian ETBs and flickers a thing. So yeah. the, the Felidar, or no, Sahili makes a copy of a creature. That's what yeah. it is. So you make a copy of the Guardian, it flickers a Sahili. The new Sahili can make a copy, flicker, copy, it goes infinite. This is obviously very similar than that. This is a crazy broken card that everyone called as soon as they saw it that on a raw power level is absurd. On top of the other things you can do with it where, like, if you think about it, in terms of, like, their removal spell, all their removal spells get blanked by your Brainstorms, your yep. uh, your, sword, your Swords to Plowshares. If they go to if you if you cast this placer kitten and they go well, I'm going to bolt it because it's a two it's a four man two two you can go, I'm going to brainstorm in response and flicker it and fizzle flicker your it bolt. and now your bolt is your bolt fizzles yep on top of all that it also just goes infinite with a huge number of planeswalkers and yeah. unfortunately some of those planeswalkers are incredibly playable like and we're Teferi. already being played yeah we're already everywhere like Teferi, which yeah. I mean Teferi is obviously a terrifying card because you just you literally don't get to play the game. When they slam it, well, yeah, I mean that's 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 probably one of the best things about this is you play Teferi and it shuts off their ability to respond to your combo yeah, to in the future. Anything. And so it's, so it's deal with Teferi now or you're probably going to lose. But to summarize what I was getting at, we're looking at a four mana blue two two in a format where decks are running two mainboard pyroblasts, and this combo deck came in third, fourth place in a challenge on Sunday. Yeah. Like that's how incredibly powerful blue is in, in in legacy where like the joke used to be you couldn't run three drops case i mean like when i talked about um and part of it's because esper is not playable i i still think it's good but void uh, void ren's not playable because it's three mana like what do you you're gonna, you're gonna get three mana to kill something you're gonna one for once for three mana because three mana is unplayable in legacy for almost this is a four mana card that eats a pyroblast gets countered by pyroblast and is still incredibly good yep for relevance, a playset of these costs two hundred sixty dollars on Moto. On Moto, yeah. What is that? Two fifty is 
50 bucks a piece would be 200 so 60 bucks a piece 60 70 bucks a piece hard they're, pass they're only like 10 bucks in paper yeah they might be worth specking like if you're looking to drop like 50 like it might be worth buying a couple of these if they pick up in paper which they might well and that's one of the things you kind of have to watch out for with so they it has there's no reason that that card has to have a, an ability called avoidance but by putting avoidance on there now you've reduced the ability to ability reprint it. to reprint it yeah so again, because it was in it was in the D and D set, yeah. And so they did that in D and D. They didn't use like everything had a keyword yeah. on it. Yeah, they they're fake keywords. The keyword doesn't mean anything. Yeah, but it does make it very hard to reprint it because you have to find a set that you can put avoidance in. You know what drives me nuts? Just as a a quick tangent, when a card has like to uh, Tatiova, it has landfall, but it they, doesn't they have. They won't put landfall on I it. I mean, DRC has surveil, and they won't say the word surveil. Right. Yeah. Dumb. Let's move on. That's a really cool list, yeah. and it's it's fun to talk about. But I do have quite a bit to say about other things today. So let's yep. let's move on. So next up, we've got Cephalid Breakfast again, another combo Yorion deck. Uh, this one does run some cantrips. We've talked about it before. It's got brainstorms and ponders in there, so it's not quite as uh, just relying on top decking as combo as uh, the other one was. The other one was. Uh, what is it? Do we have an official name for that yet? Is it just Displacer Kitten? That's all people get. Yeah, just referring to it as Displacer Kitten combo. Gotcha. So, cool. oh, that we'll just call it Displacer Kitten as well. I think that's Kitty Combo. Kitty Combo, good enough. Yep. Um, so again, I, we've seen these lists before with yeah. Cephalid Breakfast. Cephalid Breakfast. I mean, if you told me a couple years years ago that I would consistently see it like every week in a challenge, if you told me six months ago you would see it in a challenge, yeah. like this deck, well, it did exist was absolutely nowhere nowhere near tier one no. or even tier two status. And then like it just shows up one Sunday or one Saturday. And now it's every other week we see Cephalid Breakfast. Yep. Like what the hell? It's just it's hanging in there. Yeah. Doing its thing. That being said, I don't see anything new in here. I didn't either. Um nope, we've seen Serenity before. Screw Plague Engineer. Yep. I think I think yeah. it looks pretty much consistent. Yep, pretty stock list. Um Next up, we've got Elves. Uh, this is uh, Aaron the Relentless, who, uh, if I remember correctly, also top-aided the Saturday challenge as well. He had a very mm. busy weekend. Aaron, uh, technically, it's Aaron Relentless. Anyone wants to Aaron, look him up. Yeah, well, I keep saying Aaron the Relentless because he's a there's a legend, and it may or may not have the in it as well, but yeah. it's a red card. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. A good chance it's referencing that. But yeah. Aaron Relentless, if you're wanting to look up this player, he's he or she's a very, very strong uh, MTGO player. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's Aaron the Relentless from Homelands. That's a horrible card. <laughs> it's just so everybody knows. It's uh he's a five two for five. Uh he has haste and you can pay two and regenerate or pay three red and regenerate him. <laughs> so like it's always kind of thrown me off because he's an elves player playing and he's named after a red card, but whatever. There's a red card in this deck. They're yeah, progenitus. It has red pips. <laughs> hey, there's but, a I mean Again, it's hilarious. This is listed as a five-color list on Goldfish. It does it every time. I'm just like, <laughs> get over that, Elves guys. is a five-color five list. five-color list. Um, anyway. Yeah, anywho, it's Reclaimer Elves. Uh, the only thing that's really kind of spicy is Shriek Maws in the side. Um, I do, do you not think it's spicy when you see Progenitus in the main? At this point, there that's kind of that flex slot. So, like, I've seen it before. So that's but over that's, the, that's over the second crater hoof or the first Ashen Rider, right? Uh first Archon of Valor's Reach. Or sorry, the, yeah. yeah, Archon of Valor's Reach. So like to me that just screams I'm prepared. I'm not as worried about combo. I'm just prepared for uh Faradex, which makes sense. Okay. Given the Delvers everywhere. And the one of the advantages you have of doing that is no one expects Progenitus game one. That's true. Like everybody who knows 
what elves does, they yeah, know I, it's it's in the side. So I don't have to worry about it until game two. Yeah, if I was running blue white control <clears> and I was able to like keep you underneath like swords and prism and uh prismatic endings, I would be shocked. Right. To be like, oh, on turn five, you're just gonna you're gonna play a natural dryad order arbor and and natural order it away, and I'll be like, okay, I'll take five from a crater hoof, and you're like, yeah, progenitus. Right. Good luck. So there is some value to that. Uh. But other than that, like, again, man, it's even debatable. Like if I would even force of will that if you went like, well, you're, you're probably sitting there going, I have a swords to plowshares in my hand. I'm going to save the force for something else. I would because anything he gets, I can just swords. And I would, I would save the force of will for like the glimpse. Yeah. Like in in, in the situation where like it's turn five, I've answered all of your creatures, right? You're kind of in a top deck mode. You're kind of rough. And I have swords and force. I would probably let the natural order resolve and force your crater hoof. And swords it, and just be like, oh, yeah, get your 5-5 five, five swords yeah. to plowshares. Or even let you go get the Allosaurus Shepherd, and then I'll swords it and force your glimpse, or whatever it is. Yeah. I might let it resolve. You probably would game one. Yeah. Because game I'm, two, you absolutely, yes. every, everybody knows. Everyone knows. You don't let the natural, like, that's what you're expecting is the progenitus. Game one, So I think I think Aaron Relentless would get me, get me on game one, that sneaky progenitus. Unfortunately, he'd almost certainly draw it. Yeah, um, we command, uh, we've said it before. This is something I got from Julian. Uh, Progenitus has the hidden text of this card is your commander. Yeah. So you'll draw it every single game in yep. your opening hand. Uh, that was the biggest thing I liked about the mulligan rule is I'm like, oh, cool. So when I mulligan <laughs> yeah. after a progenitus, like if I keep a six, I can just bottom progenitus. Tuck, tuck and on the bottom. that's exactly where I want him anyways. Yeah. <laughs> so beyond that, nothing beyond in the, here looks yeah, crazy. Basically, like, the progenitus. on the side. So Shriek Maws is taking place of what's that? Uh, Given that it's here, it's probably taking the place of snuff out. Yes. So I because could be there's, wrong there. There's, there's, I mean, we still have two by you, so it's yeah. kind of odd to see snuff out. The four life, I guess, is relevant. But Especially like, in the particular matchup where you want it. Like, If snuff out is relevant, or if the four life is relevant, wouldn't you run uh, murderous cut instead? Like murderous cut's four and a black, but it has delve to kill a creature? In that theory. That might be better? Um, I mean, Shriek Maw is almost just worse than that, like where it's it's two man. I guess it's two man to evoke, so you don't have to have cards in your graveyard. Yeah, which could be relevant. Yeah, it is quicker. It is quicker, and basically, it's just a, you're going to spend two mana. Which I think the big thing to me, I I haven't had a chance to have snuff out in the side yet. Hasn't been something I've really played with. Haven't played a lot of Legacy lately with work and whatnot. But that may change. Mm-hmm. Um, just looking at it from the outside, looking in. I'm looking at that going like it's very similar. Yes, it costs two mana, but I also don't. I'm not typically speaking stretched on mana. Yeah. And if I don't like the, you can't make the argument that oh well they're just going to wasteland your bayou because if you don't have your bayou you can't set, cast snuff out either. Mm-hmm. So like, at least for free, you yeah. know what I mean. So like, and it's a threat. So and yeah, it's not it's, it's not even a totally irrelevant threat. A three two fear against blue red delver is solid. Yeah. Oh, there's a whole deck based on. Uh, based on three twos so, killing you yeah so like that to me more than likely i would say he's probably testing that yeah um i mean he plays as far as i know he plays in every challenge so it wouldn't surprise me if he's he's like okay i've seen what snuff out can do yeah like you know give it a shot given two to four cards within the deck to tweak and test um i don't know that i would personally commit to shriek mall yet although shriek mall is one of my favorite cards something that did just occur to me uh in modern if you don't want to pay for solitudes shriek mall is modern legal and it's definitely worse but it does a close impression when you're yeah. running an ephem- in an ephemerate deck yep you know you can it works well with grief because you can pitch it to grief grief can uh, um and it does work well in ephemerate it does a a bad solitude impression 
where you could easily play or it. Or if you just wanted to go really hard on that whole theme. Yeah, you just, could evoke it, flicker it, kill, kill, kill. Yeah. So, or you could drop, you know, 45 bucks a piece for Solitudes. Right. But I really like Shriek Mall. I don't know. I would be curious to pick his brain as to why he would want that over Snuff Out. To be fair, he might it might not even be what he subbed out. In, like, looking at the list... Like that's the obvious comparison, but yeah. that might not be the comparison. Yeah, that's that. I mean, that's the that's cheap removal spot. Yeah, that slot is for is for black like, base cheap removal. Like if you just look at the rest of the sideboard, so we've got a Caracas, it's Reclaimer Elves, duh. Um, you got Thoughtseize, that's pretty standard. Endurance again, pretty very standard. standard. Uh, Force of Vigor. Uh, you don't. That's not. I don't want to say Force of Vigor is standard, but it's very common. Yeah, Force of Vigor and Mindbreak Trap both are both like those both answer problems we're used to seeing answered. Right, and then so. Looking at this, I'd go, well, typically speaking, I'd have, the, have either a couple more discard. Like, a lot of times you'd have, like, four thought season, two cabal therapies, but that's uh -huh. going back a couple of years. Or you'd have, like, Abrupt Decay or Assassin's Trophy. Abrupt Decay hasn't seen play, basically, since Murktide Regent. Yep. Because why uh, would you? Yep. So then you've got Assassin's Trophy as the option, and now you're looking at whether Assassin's Trophy, Snuff Out, Shriek Mall, something in there. Murder's Cut, I think. Murder's I think Cut. I think is something that you could think about. Yeah. So... I think that's kind of what that slot's for. So just kind of back up our thinking here. Yep. So that was Elves. And again, uh, check him out on Saturday as well. He also top-aided. So very good Elves player. Really knows his stuff. Next up in seventh place, we've got... Let's make sure it's actually Jeskai Control. No kidding. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. So this does look like it's Jeskai Control. we got four creatures and a bunch of Planeswalkers. That's yep. the typical stuff. you so. got twice as many Planeswalkers as creatures. Yeah. Timeless and Dragon in the main. You do have two days undoing and four, five anti-draw effects. Yeah. Narset's, like, people Exploded. have... Yeah, it's... I think people have really come around to it. And uh, you had said something, I don't remember if it was on the podcast or not, but Narset's basically dig through time. I'm stealing that from Eternal Dirtles. Yeah. I but, don't want to take credit for things I didn't say. Uh, I got that from, I believe it was Phil on Eternal Dirtles, but they've talked about it. And it's, it's not exactly because dig through time, it's everything, but, like, yeah. it's... Yeah, on top of this passive where you don't, uh, your opponent can't draw any extra cards, yeah. so they can't. Your opponent can't cast brainstorm or ponder or predict or any of that crap. Uh, it's dig, or glimpse or glimpse. It's dig through time over two turns. So you uh, look at the look at four cards, take a non-creature and non-land, put it in your hand, and the next one you can do that again. So you're looking at eight and, cards total. Yep. You're getting two cards out of it. Technically, it goes one deeper. It does go one deeper. It costs one more mana, but you get a staple on that absurdly. Uh, useful text of uh, opponents can't draw more than one card a turn. Yeah. Like, And then, I mean, in this kind of deck, it's just what you're digging for are, I mean, realistically in the right matchup, you're looking for ways to that effectively protect the Narset anyways. Mm -hmm. She yeah. doesn't need to protect herself because you're digging for prismatic endings, swords to plowshares, supreme, supreme verdicts, verdicts, force of will, stuff that's going to protect yeah. her. I mean, she's... Yep. Or we, digging for a wheel. Yeah, which hand. just wins, not just wins you the game, but effectively yep. the game's over after you wheel. Oddly enough, this is the deck I was talking about. Um, I believe it was Displacer Kitten when I text you, mm -hmm. and I said, hey, why do we have these kind of not great combo decks where the combo doesn't win the game, it just gives you insane card advantage, but you still have to win? Why don't they just sub out Displacer Kittens? Because they're already running the Teferis, and... Uh, they're already running the Teferis. They could run. They could change things around, and they could have just a combo kill. Yeah, and so it's really cool to see a deck like that coming yeah. coming forth. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah, the, this this deck that just is this really weird combo deck, um, but utilizing Narset and Teferi 
we've seen both of those. Uh, I got distracted in that, so I'm sorry. That's why this is, this is a roundabout way to get to this this particular sure. topic. Because I wanted to say that, but I also want to say this. We had this happen with Teferi, where Teferi started with like one or two, and then everyone kept realizing, like, you should just play more Teferi. Yeah. And it was kind of the Urza Saga thing, where when Teferi hit the scene and people started playing with it, nobody was prepared to play around it. Nobody was prepared to play with it in mind. And so Teferi just wrecked people. And you slowly crept up to three Teferi, four Teferi, standard for everybody, because it's Teferi. Why wouldn't you? I, who cares if you draw your second Teferi? Right. Even if you, the it, entire game revolves around him in a lot of matchups. Does. And there's plenty of times where I've I've gone, just to, like you get into the mid-late game, I'm going to plus my Teferi, then play my second Teferi minus draw a card. Yep. Like Because I just want the advantage. I'm not worried about you killing it. You haven't killed it for three turns. And Narset is doing that too, where... Narset started off. You'd see it. You saw you saw him a lot for a little bit, and everyone started playing. It's kind of like the uh, the Thoughtseize thing, yeah. or uh, it'd be Veil of Summer and Thoughtseize. Mm-hmm. Everyone started playing around Narset. We were prepared to handle it, and it doesn't do as much as Teferi. It does a lot, but not as much as Teferi. And so it kind of died back down, and it's slowly been creeping back up. Where you're just seeing Narset sh- shoved into so many decks because it's just so strong against so much of the field. I mean, fuck, brainstorms in what sixty five percent of decks. Like, well, and what I was gonna say just to back you up here. If you think about them, they're great individually. They're back-breaking if you have both. Mm-hmm. Like, you're talking about 50 to 60% of the any given tournament's going to be blue. Yep. And you're going, you can't play at instant speed and you can't draw cards. Yeah. You can't like, force of will. You can't force negation. You can't brainstorm. You can't ponder. You can't... You can swords, but it sucks. Right, because I'm playing Planeswalkers. Yeah. So, like, you're, you're thinking about this because that's traditionally... That's what a lot of... Uh, that's one of the reasons, not the only reason, but one of the reasons control decks don't run a lot of creatures is because it effectively blanks cards mm-hmm. in your opponent's hand. It's called artificial card advantage. Correct. So what they're doing is they're going, well, I'm going to blank all eight of your cantrips. I'm going to blank all six of your forces. Uh-huh. I'm going to blank any removal you have. At least half of it. Half of it. I mean, your lightning bolts still go to the face, or, I mean, technically they can kill a planeswalker, but... After I've blanked all your stuff, I can focus all of my mm-hmm. resources on protecting these, yep. which also shut you down. And then I'm going to beat you to death with Timeless Dragon. <laughs> and <laughs> like that's all we had to do. The thing about these Planeswalkers also, they create this intense sub-game where as an opponent, all you can do is focus on removing them. Yep. All I have to do is try to protect them, but I can keep furthering my game plan Correct. while protecting them. Yep. I don't have to dedicate all my resources to defending them. But you have to d- dedicate all of your resources to killing them because they're well, yeah, so I backbreaking mean, and they're so game changing. Think about it from your opponent's perspective. So let's oh, just say we're playing a game. Oh, and I you know what drop, it feels like when they you s- drop to fairy. Yeah. And now I have to, and so you drop him and you minus him. You've effectively time walked me. Yep. Because I have to. You've replaced the card, and now I I have to spend the next turn while he's only at one yep. uh, loyalty to kill him. Yeah. Now yeah. I may not have to dedicate my entire turn to it. But, like, I have to spend time and cards dealing with this the card. The only time it's not direct card disadvantage is when I have two creatures out. Right. And you're, and the only time you ever do that as a Teferi player is when you're, your back's to the wall anyway and you're fucked. That's, yeah. a, that's an I'm fucked play yeah, anyway. This is last-ditch effort. I'm going to ditch this, bounce a thing, and draw a card and try and figure out something. And so I'm not really worried about those scenarios, but the scenarios where you slam your threat... You're, maybe you're attacking and you're making progress. They slam to fairy, bounce your threat, go. You've got four lands. Like, yeah, do I go down a card to try and kill us to fairy, which might not even happen anyway? Right. Do I keep trying to kill you? Do I keep trying to address that plan? Do I let to fairy go? There's it. To fairy is one of the cards. I have four of them. I love playing to fairy. Of course, I like when it's on my side of the field. I that's one of those cards I would erase from existence immediately. If you gave me a little button and I could click and remove cards from the existence of magic, to fairy is one of them. Yep. 
That card is such a poorly designed card. Well, any of these, it's the same thing with Narset. Any of yeah. these one-sided uh, stacks effects, yeah. I can't stand. I would either, I would either remove them, or I would change each opponent to each player. Right. So, anywho, yeah, let's move on. Sorry, we're getting a little distracted. We're getting a little heated. Yep. The, the we we had a little toyment discussion on this stupid infinity stuff, and now we're both fired up about magic. Yeah. So, uh, rounding out the top eight, we've got Archon, who almost always is playing Reanimator. Right. Um playing a weird kind of four color control list four so, color no green yeah no green so which to be fair makes a lot of sense given that a lot of the removal that you would splash for isn't very good at the moment and yep. since there's not a ton of discard at the moment you'd rather have pyroblast than uh veil of summer so looking at this list i would categorize this as grixis plus white pretty much this seems like a very grixis themed deck with the best white cards to play like Teferi, like Prismatic Ending, and like Swords to Plowshares. And the best black card ever printed, Soren the Mirthless. Yeah, I, <laughs> I can't believe it's taken that long for this Planeswalker to see play in Legacy. Yep. I mean, for a measly four mana, you can make a bad Vampire Nighthawk. Yeah, so we were talking about this. We are just kind of, you know, bullshitting about why we think this is good. Uh, one, it dodges a lot of the format, a lot of the removal in the format yep. we've discussed. It's, it's that same category of why I think Wandering Emperor is so good. Wandering Emperor dodges Pyroblast. It dodges mostly Prismatic Ending. Yep. It dodges, it doesn't dodge Bolt, but it replaces itself very quickly. This one even dodges Bolt. It does dodge Bolt quite well. Um, Yeah, very well, actually. It starts with four, and then, I mean, the most common plus one. And I mean, I shouldn't say the most common, but you're very you're, often going to be plus one. If wanting you're it. worried about Bolt, if you're playing a game where Bolt matters, you very you plus easily one are plus one, one, even if yeah. you're not drawing the card. Yeah. So just we'll just quickly go through the list. We've got three Baleful Strix, three Snapcaster Mage, and one Plague Engineer, because, god damn it. Doesn't that sound this deck Grixis? better not be popular? <laughs> main deck plague engineer. Main deck plague engineer. <laughs> Screw you, man. Don't popularize plague engineer again. So that sounds pretty Grixis already. That's Grixis already. That's very much Grixis. We're talking about these grindy, basically yep. the the two mana two for ones. I mean, basically, like, like other than La, Liliana, the only like Grixis doesn't really run planeswalkers. So we're we're kind of we kind of bounce into white to get the best planeswalker, right? Which we just discussed. Uh, then we've got three Teferi Time Raveler and one Sore in the Mirthless. Uh, so going through this, since Soren is not something we've seen hardly at all. I mean, this is the first time I've seen him in a legacy list. Uh, he's four mana for four, four loyalty. You can plus one to Bob, an optional Bob. So you yes. look at the top card. Uh, if you want to keep it, you lose like life equal equal to its CMC. And if you want to, you can just put it back on the top. Well, you draw it. No, I'm saying if, if oh, you yes. don't want to, it goes right back on yeah, the top. Yeah, you can pay life equal to the... Yeah, you the... don't get to bottom it. So you're stuck with it, yeah. but you can you keep can it choose if you to want. not draw it. If it's a force of will or whatever, you don't have to take five. Right. You can choose. So um, big thing there again, dodging your force of wills, your higher CMC cards. Unlike Bob, Bob, you just rip a force of will off the top and take yeah. five to the face. That sucks. I've watched plenty of SCG coverage. It never happens. Don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> nope. Nobody ever dies to their own Bob. <laughs> uh, you can minus two it to make a a vampire nighthawk without death touch. Yes. So a two three black vampire creature with flying and lifelink yep and you can minus seven him which i think this is secretly very good although it might not be a secret you can minus seven him to deal 13 damage to any target and you gain 13 life and that to me seems like the pre like the thing i'm thinking about this it's it's obviously not going to probably work out well against aggro decks because they're they're going to be able to deal with soren you mean delver yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> This is amazing for control matchups. It is. The the control matchup can't kill this card because that's one of the things that, for better or worse, they just haven't printed good yeah. planeswalker removal and they don't run a ton of threats. You know, so Vo you, Voidren does kill this. It does. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, 
Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> to be yeah. fair, unless this would be the deck to run Void Red. <laughs> unless you're running four colors. Right. Prismatic Ending misses it. Obviously, Swords misses it. Uh, most of any of your damage base removal. Neither the Blast Hydro or Pyroblast get yep. it. Yeah, so it is, it is a sticky threat. It is a very sticky threat, and it's not actually as slow as it seems because this Planeswalker effectively comes in with five loyalty. Yeah, it starts at four, immediately plus the five, and you're gaining card advantage while you're doing that. Right. So this is like, I hesitate to say it, but in this slot is a very, it's very much kind of the black Jace yeah. where it's like it's going to generate some card advantage, but if you play it at the right time against a, a in the mirror of playing against another control deck. If you just if you can get this to resolve, they're yep. kind of in deep shit. It does come down and protect itself too. If it, if you have to play yeah, it into a creature, you just play it and make a 2/3. Yep. You know, piss your way your 2/3 as a chump blocker and then untap, draw a card, swords it. Swords yeah. their creature and now you're off to the races. The plague engineer in my opinion is very smart. That's one of the things that uh this deck does. Not only is it it's designed to 2 for 1 a lot, but it is also designed it's if you look and if you're looking at this, it's got like Inquisition of Kozilek, uh Swords to Plowshares, Pramatic ending, a lot of one-for-ones. Yep. It doesn't deal with wide decks very well mm -mm. because almost all of these cost two mana. You got Swords and Prismatic, and Swords obviously cost one, but Prismatic ending often can cost uh, it's two or more. Usually one to three. Right. So, like, again, against a game, against a deck like Elves, like... Well, you're looking at this like you can you can one for one me to some degree, mm -hmm. but like I'm going to go wide enough, and then you bring you drop the hammer with like a plank engineer, like elves, de death and taxes. Are the yep. Death has a big one. Even like Cephalid Breakfast, uh, Esper Stoneblade, you can yep. help keep cleaned up a little bit, and just a two mana, a uh, three mana two two with death touches. It basically it makes combat almost impossible Very unless difficult. you're running Murktide, and what that does is it allows you to focus your removal on Murktide. Yep. Um, yeah, and then we've got the typical stuff. I mean, if expressive iteration was around when check pile was check pile, holy crap, that format would have been dog shit. People, if people would have finally got banned. Death right shaman and expressive iteration were legal at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this uh, Culligan's command again, him to Turok again. We've got some cool stuff here. It's very much that Grixis list with just a splash for white for a couple cards. Yep. Uh, blue elemental blast in the side and hydro blast. Um, Meltdown, Prismatic Ending, just a bunch of blasts. Like this deck has uh, six blasts in the side, and then more Plague Engineered. Again, going wide against this deck is a problem. Yeah, uh, and then some counters. When you think stuff. about it. You got, uh, yeah, you you have the Plague Engineer and the Baleful Strikes in the main. More Plague Engineer in the side. Just Death Touch everywhere. Yep. Snapcaster Mage almost always flashing back those removal spells. Yeah. So very cool list. It's not like it's not absurdly different than what we've seen before. Um, I think it's pretty different. Well, I mean, it's, I, it's very similar to an old Grixis list. It's just been a true. couple years since we've that's seen true. that come back. Because, like, blue-white, to be perfectly honest, I think Prismatic Ending is what did it, where it was just like, why would I play Grixis when I have the best removal spell ever printed? Yeah. I think we can pretty much safely say Prismatic Ending is probably the best removal spell ever printed. Especially in a format with as low a CMC ceiling as this. Right. Yeah. Like in standard, it probably would. It's standard, it probably would be that good in standard. In modern, it's okay. Right. But in legacy, in legacy, when, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, we were just joking about how like you can't cast four drops. Like it's pretty crazy. Yeah. It's three colors is pretty. It's pretty free to run three colors. Case in point, how many of these decks are running three to four colors, even in a, a Delver format, and not many things cost more than three mana. But yeah, it's. I think that's what kind of did the Grixis combination in was it's just like it's you desperately want to have 
prismatic ending if you're playing a, a control yeah. deck. And they're like, you know what? Fuck it. We'll play Grixis and Prismatic yep. Ending. <laughs> just run all four of them. Yeah. So uh, just quickly, metagame summary. If uh, Bant can play red, Grixis <laughs> can play white. Sure can. I mean, it's the same dual lands all around. Yep. None of them actually run any real mana fixing. No. I mean, Bant kind of does with like, sometimes it'll be like Life from the Loam and yeah. fetches, stuff like you that. But run some of those enchantment, like the Abundant Growth or whatever, yeah, maybe. But those are the Yorion list, typically speaking true, as well. So. Um, metagame summary we've got uh, you, know, you know what makes paying 8 mana for a 4-5 payoff maybe you can draw an extra card <laughs> right <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> but it's draw a card and do a thing that's true because basically what they're trying to do is relive the astrolabe days that's pretty much what that is yeah that's fair um, so we've got 6 of the top 32 with blue red delver uh, other is the next biggest category with uh, five of the top 32 are listed as other. I would suspect that blue white list would be in there. Yep. Probably Archon's list are in, is in there. Uh, there's another just straight blue list, stuff like that. Yep. We got a couple unlabeled. Yep. Um, big shout out to ninjas for top 32. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Ninjas is so, awesome. Uh, glad to see it. I was kind of concerned that it had kind of gone away, but it's, a, it's fallen to probably tier three. Yeah. It's the problem is just, there's just no real reason to run it over Delver. Well, I think Ninjas is just too cute to not, or and it, or uh, it's too cute in a Murktide world, right? Like Ninjas is all about like getting advantage and accruing a board and just chipping away again, lots of cards, and then your opponent goes, "Yeah, Murktide eight eight attack, right? Pop pop start, dead. Start chumping those yeah. creatures that have to hit to do anything. Yep. Uh, Death Shadow also top thirty two again that. Death Shadow list is here to stay, but again, like we talked about, I think that Murktide's doing some heavy lifting there. Yeah. Um, most played cards, Force of Will, Brainstorm, Ponder, Lotus Petal, Thought Seize. To correct myself, uh, Brainstorm and Force of Will are only in 59 and 53% of decks, Gosh. not 65. Sorry, guys. Jake, get the disinformation board on you. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, top Creatures, Murktide, DRC, Stoneforge, Plague Engineer. Uh-oh, get that shit out of here. <laughs> Plague Engineer in 28% of and decks. Baleful, baleful strength. Fourth most played creature. Yep. Uh, top spells, uh, Force of Will, Brainstorm, Ponder, Lotus Petal, and Thoughtseize. Yeah. Hey, if Thoughtseize is creeping up into top spells, maybe it's time to get those veils. It's uh, exactly veil what summers. that means. Yep. Time to get veils out. So it's funny you say that. Speaking of like, hey guys, this is a problem. Just run the solution. Uh, bumping over to Modern, in the top eight... There's, I think, three uh, Cascade Living Index. Yep. Like, that's, don't get me wrong, the deck is amazing. That's not hard to stop. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody packed their Cascade Hate this week, yeah. and it shows. Like, yeah, that's it's not that hard to keep Living End from doing Living End things. And there's three of them in the top eight. We'll start at the, we'll start at the top, though. Uh, Yawgmoth brought, uh, won the challenge by Zerk. Uh, this looks like Yawgmoth that we see every week. For uh, anyone listening that pays attention, there's only one Blood Artist and one Groff's Messenger, which is one more threat that these decks often win. One more win con. We've seen a lot of lists recently bumping down to just the Blood Artist and using uh, things like Endurance to maybe get it back in the in a, in, a, in a situation where it dies. But I still think it's correct to run at least one Groff's Messenger. I think it's very correct to... What's it called when you spread out? Go wide. Not go wide. Uh, what do you do with your assets? Diversify. Diversify your threats. Diversify your win cons. Have a backup. So obviously Blood Artist is better than Groff's Messenger. It's easier to cast. It does the exact same thing. Uh, does Groff's Messenger have Undying? Yes. So in, I guess in first, Groff's Messenger can be one of your two Undying creatures yeah. to fuel it. So Pros and cons on both. But it is insanely harder to cast being three Black Pips. That's yeah. not easy to do. 
Beyond that, I don't see anything in here that's anything I don't expect. No, it looks... One chalice on the side that's kind of funny. Well... <laughs> it's not enough, guys. Uh, it was for him, but... I guess that's true. <laughs> well, I guess... The, again, this is one of those things, so if you look at this, if you think about this, if you and you look at what else top-aided, you've got Yawgmoth and then a bunch of... Like, that beat all the other combo decks. Yeah. Like, it makes perfect sense. Like, we're just like, I don't need to deal with your living end. Uh-huh. I'm just going to kill you quicker than you can yep. kill me. And it's also one of those decks that... I guess it probably isn't really relevant, but like it does put a lot of stuff in the graveyard. Yeah. Like it does put a lot of things in the graveyard relatively quickly sometimes, and you can't necessarily try to resolve a living end when you've got and they've got their Yawgmoth out because I can just sack my board and get my stuff back. He does have two Necromentia in the side. Oh, boom! Yeah, living end. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> I told. Have I told you that uh, Drew from Monday Pioneer runs Necromentia? In the yeah, name of all his yep. decks, so he can go turn three Necromentia, and it's it's always the same people, and we're always playing the same decks, so he yep. always knows what to name. It's pretty funny. Yeah, Necromentia is a beating of a card, and as long as you're on the, if you're in the sideboard, you either won game one and you're on the play, or you lost game one. Or sorry, you won game one, you're on the draw, but you'll be on the play the third game. You're, you're always gonna get to Necromentia on turn three. Yeah, at least one game out of the set. It's a very brutal card, and against decks like Cascade, it just wins. Like I don't think there's a, a world where Living End wins without realistically, End. probably not. So second place was the bane of our existence in modern lately, with again eight decks in the top thirty-two. Murktide Regent well, is this... it Murktide? This is very similar to the list we've been seeing. We've been seeing Dragon Rage Channeler get cut entirely. This one's splitting the difference with two Dragon Rage Channeler, three Ledger Shredder, and then four Murktide, four Ragavan. The spell suite is the exact same we see every week, minus one or two spells, but the considers, the pierces, the heats, the counter spells, the charms, all that. One dress down, four bobbles. Don't see anything here. This looks like this this is the Delver, where this is a very unchanging list. We're seeing, you know, seventy of the same of the same seventy five every week. Right. The what drives me nuts, and I know these these stats aren't perfect, is like so Everybody knows we use MTG Goldfish. That's just the site we use. What? If you look at the breakdown for uh, Modern and Legacy, you've got Blue Red is twenty in Legacy twenty percent of the meta, and then you've got Modern with Murktide Regent as fi- basically fifteen percent. It's just like, do we not see the problem here? Like, there's two problem cards minimum that everyone could. You've got what? Murktide Regent and Expressive and Iteration. Expressive Iteration. Expressive yeah. Iteration was already banned out of Pioneer. Yep. Like, what we do you know think these. Of- what do you think the best colors are, Matt? Right. It's it's just, I it's don't understand si- how any rational person can look at this and be like, yeah, this is perfectly acceptable. It's literally the same deck. I know. <laughs> it's the exact same deck. Yeah, it's, you're right. Just it's definitely swaps, worse. Yeah, but swaps like, out Force of Will for counter spells and Ponders for Considers. Yeah. And like, you're talking about the same crap. Instead of Wasteland, you run Blood Moon. Yeah, it's, it's the same deck. It, it drives me nuts that no. we're just like, nope, this is perfectly acceptable. Yep. The house is on fire, and Watsy's like, this is fine. 12% got Deathrite Shaman banned, which I had four of in Grixis Delver and four of in Elves. And Do you like, still have them? Uh, I think so. You never sell cards. No. They're legal in Pioneer. They're pretty good. I guess they're kind of expensive again. I kind of thought about trying to make Deathrite Shaman work, but it's good luck. It's <laughs> so much worse without good fetches. Yeah. And like you've got Evolving Wilds and Terror. Uh, but I'm, well, that, I mean, that's what you have to do. Yeah. Like, because, like, it's not a good enough card. Pioneer's too fast for the bottom two to really be playable. Yeah. Like, the bottom two abilities are nuke a sorcery or instant. Uh, each opponent loses two life. And then you can nuke a creature and you gain two life from a graveyard. Would that be worth it to keep track of delve spells? Potentially. But it costs a mana to do it, doesn't it? Yeah. You have it's to pay, not free. Yeah, you pay black. 
Nuka instant or sorcery yeah. dome for two. Like the bottom two were very relevant card or re- they were, it was a very relevant ability, but the primary reason was fetch lands. Fetch lands. It's the best mana dork ever. Right. Well, it's a mana dork that kills your opponent in the end. And the biggest thing is it was a mana dork that you can cast off an underground sea. Yeah. So like you cast, you drop your underground sea, you cast death, right? Shaman. You don't need the bottom is almost irrelevant for those kind of decks. Like the gaining life. What yeah. they want is a threat and acceleration on one card that you can cast off an island. Yep. Like that was nuts. I understand why it got banned, but we're in the exact same we... position in two different formats with very yeah. particular cards. It just it's the sticker thing, whatever. That is this is way worse than stickers. Like yeah. this is actually the stickers thing isn't well, going to affect I know we're getting into it and I know yeah. this is tangent. The sticker thing is not going to affect legacy in any any real way. Probably not. Realistically, that's not going to happen. This is actually harming the format, and we're doing nothing about it. Yeah. And everyone is just and resigned to this is the way legacy is now. Been doing it for a very long right. time. So anywho, keep going with modern. But yeah. fuck Merktide Regent. <laughs> modern third place. We've got four color elementals. Uh, and this is legit elementals, 19 creatures, Yorion list with Risen Reef. Yep. So um 13 No, it's Emmercool not it's Eldrazi main. Tribal. There's one Emmercool. That's in true, there. it is Eldrazi Tribal. <laughs> that's what yeah, that's what Goldfish is gonna label it. And it's got Traverse the Uvenwald, so it's it's uh the Innistrad. I can't, whatever that crap set is. Midnight Hunt? No, it's the one beforehand. Traverse, and it's, so it's got Delirium and Emrakul. Oh, the old, old Innistrad? The middle one, not the original one. Was it one. like Moon's over, Moon over Innistrad or something like that? I don't, I don't fucking know. I don't, no, Moon is afterwards, because Moon is when Emrakul's we in We can just the... click on the card and answer this question. Uh, Shadow's over Innistrad. Shadow's over yeah. Innistrad, yeah. And I think Emrakul was in the, yeah, uh, Eldric Moon. Yes. You were just combining the names. Yep. But like, that block... Or it's just anyway, like, this is the same deck. This is this is the four color money pile we see all the time. One of the best decks in modern by a lot. Eight planeswalkers. This is running three ephemerates. No, uh, what's the Selesnya card that Eladomri's call? No, Eladomri's call. Three ephemerates. Those seem to be the cards that are fighting each other the most in those slots. Whether or not you're maxing out on yep, uh, value or tutors. Yeah, value or tutors. Beyond that, the list looks identical to what we've seen. Fourth place, we've got another Merktide Regent list. This one we talked about before. It cut the uh, DRCs entirely. We're down to three Merktide, four Shredder, four Ragavan. The same spells, the same bobble, almost the same lands. I bet you that he wishes those engineered explosives were chalices. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, he went to game two and was like, fuck. <laughs> uh, almost the exact same sideboard. Moving on, we do have in fifth and sixth and eighth, Living End lists. We can click on all these. I don't even really want to look on that much. I'm not knocking on Living End. I'm not mad Living End did well. There's just not much to say about Living End. Like Some of these are probably running the the Colossal Sky Turtle. Some of them probably aren't. Some of them are maybe running Subtlety. Some of them maybe aren't. Other than that, there's literally nothing going on here that we don't see. One has a Brazen week. Borrower. Anyway, seventh place. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not knocking anyone that played Living nope. End. There's just not much to say about them. It's, it's the, they're the, they're, they are... Restricted to the same cards every every. Instead of talking about living in, there are a couple decks I do want to bring up. So cool. So yeah, we'll, we'll save some we, time there. Uh, in seventh, we said Eldrazi Tron because this is just colorless Eldrazi, Reality Smasher, Thought Not Seer, Matter Reshaper, Walking Ballista. This obviously this this deck is brutal when it gets turn three Tron. Sometimes otherwise it's it's brutal otherwise, but just being able to slam these semi early threats and hyper expensive threats like Reality Smashers and Thought Not Seers. Like these decks are tuned to secure Tron quickly with things like. Uh, what's that? Oh, I guess it's not running green, so it's not running ancient stirrings. Nope, just expedition um, map. Expedition map. Uh, things to slow the game down, like dismember and warping whale. 
and then slamming these huge planeswalkers like uh, either one of the Forcons or Ugin, the, or either one of the Ugins, and these giant Eldrazi that just, I mean, that literally before we got rid of, um, what I'm terrible with card names today. What's the one that makes Eldrazi cheaper, Matt? Uh, yeah, I have Ugin. Before we got rid of I have Ugin, there's like, that and Eldrazi Temple. We literally had Eldrazi Winter for a reason. Yeah, these things are insane. Even when you pay for them, they're insane. Uh, but beyond that, I don't see anything. Little flavor win with two Urza Saga. We I got mine, true, yeah. power plant, tower, and saga. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. We have four Urza lands, but you know, nothing particularly interesting here. This Bullshit, is wrong. this guy didn't run one Urza's factory just to rub it in. Just to, or, uh, yeah, Urza's factory, yeah. yeah. That card's horrible. It's an but, Urza land, but you can pay seven and make a 2-2. Two, two. You can? Yeah. Ooh. So, so you're you can saying... tap all four. Of, <laughs> yeah. You can tap all four of your Tron, or all, all three of your Tron, pay seven yep. with the factory and make a 2-2, two, two. or you could have... Reality Smasher... Ugin, Farn. You could cast Thought Not Seer and Matter Reshaper. It is kind of weird to me that they're not running the traditional Karn. So you've yeah, got Karn the Great that. Creator and Karn Sign of Erna. I saw the Urza. two four Karns, not the seven Karn. Yeah. So, so that's kind of a weird choice. Uh, but I mean, Karn, Karn Scion is decent, just cranking out uh, Karn Structs. Yeah. Very good threat. It's Very just good threat. Not, it's, you don't have that like removal and yeah. the discard and stuff. So I mean, the seven mana Karn is pretty backbreaking yeah but this one is easier to cast too if you have your Karn, if you have your um your what are they called your tron lands interrupted yeah we got a little bit of time matt what's one or two decks you want to talk about because yeah. we, we, we kind of skipped fix, so, yeah six eighth place ninth. was uh eighth. so we've got a blue white affinity list that top 32 whoa um, See ninth yeah it was that's that uh glimpse combo that we've uh talked about before that's elves isn't it ninth oh no no no, no, no. it's glimpse no, no, of no, no, no. it's not glimpse of Nature, it's glimpse of tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. The, I when I saw glimpse, I immediately thought of the. Well, I guess it's not called glimpse. What's the new glimpse called? I guess doesn't really matter. A glimpse of tomorrow. No, sorry. Oh, the the the, the bad glimpse of. Nature. I can't remember. Yeah, never mind. I my brain my brain crossed things. Yeah, fuck this deck. I hate this deck. <laughs> I hate that deck so goddamn much. I I had a game where I lost game one against that deck where I went I went turn three, uh, I went Stoneforge Mystic into Cauldra Complete. Bashed him three times and then lost. And then game three, I countered his, I countered three cascade spells and then still lost on like turn fucking five or whatever. Yeah. Fuck that deck. It's just frustrating to play against. Sure is. <laughs> but in tenth place, we have Affinity Blue White. There's actually tenth uh, place and I thought there was one other. Yeah, there's two. Tenth and twenty first. They're slightly different lists. And you said Urza wasn't. Well, he hasn't been seeing a ton of play. I know. I know. Um, but I mean. Being playable in Affinity, I'm not sure if that qualifies as playable. <laughs> but your Memnite's tap for mana now. No, it, don't get me wrong. These, I'm very excited to see these. I've since they banned Mox Opal, I'm always looking for just whether or not Affinity is going to be playable. Yeah, it's to me Affinity is clearly playable in Legacy or in Modern right now. Um, it's just a matter of I don't. It's it's one of those things where if it's your pet deck, like. If I was going to play Modern, I'd be playing Affinity. It's yeah. not the best deck in the format. No. It's not even close. It's probably not even top five. It's probably top 15 as yeah. far as decks go. It's but solidly, it's on the list. It's like two to three. Tier right. two to tier three. So it's one of those things. If you are just if you had your heart broken when they banned Mox Opal, don't fret. You can buy some Esper Sentinels. Yep. And It's okay. They're only like, what, 20 bucks a piece? Well, Mox Opal's like 60. <laughs> I guess that's fair. <laughs> Yeah. So sell two of your Mox Opals, buy a couple Esper Sentinels and, you know, some Mem Knights, which you probably already have. But Affinity's cool, so glad to see that. Enchantress showed up again. Again, we don't have to go super deep on these, but I do want to start. One of the things I want to do is, like, 
check for the spicy list and at the least weeks, shout them out. Yeah, the weeks that were light on, I guess. Yeah, when half decks. the top eight's one deck, then you it's know, only three out of eight. <laughs> the problem is, it was the one of the few decks that like you can say like yeah, 10 there's words. nothing. It, yep, cool. It's it's got Sky Turtle. It's got Sky Turtle. Yeah, hasn't been a whole lot of innovation. So we've got the. A very similar list to, I think it was last week, where we yeah, had Enchantress. Almost, almost the same. The, yep. Yeah, almost the exact same. This Which, deck is terrifying. I watched. I was watching Spike play the other day, and he ran up against uh, one of these decks, and like it's petrifying how fast these decks yeah. are. And one of the things that was funny, and I'm not trying to throw shade at anybody, but it's hilarious to me. Uh, we were talking about it last week, and I don't remember who. Again, not trying to throw shade, but somebody was like, yeah, an Enchantress is not a competitive deck. It was like a very, like a statement. And I'm like, well, I don't necessarily disagree because it's not like all over the place. But now two weeks in a row, it's top yeah. 32 to challenge. It's one of those things where like it's kind of like, it, well, to be honest, it's kind of like affinity. Like you can play Enchantress in Modern. Uh -huh. You, It's not yep. the best thing to be doing. You're definitely giving up percentage points. But it's but... not like, it's not elves level bad. Well, it's not like, it's, I don't look across the field and see them play their Destiny Spinner and go, you're playing that? Right. I still go, oh, fuck. Right. <laughs> like, I still have to beat this deck. I've, I've realized whenever I play Legacy and Modern, that's all I ever say. Is oh, like, fuck. We play, oh, we're playing, we'll go turn three, and they'll do a thing like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yep. all, no one, all, everyone plays good cards. Yep. There, there's no bad cards. But no. You, at this point, you're sitting across them, and you go, Soren the Mirthless. Oh, oh. fuck. <laughs> So yeah, like when someone sits down and I realize they're on Enchantress, I don't like breathe a sigh of relief. I'm like, oh fuck, this right. is hard. I still have to beat this. This is still hard and to beat. More than likely, it's going to be one of the advantages you have when you're playing something like Enchantress is like Enchantress would have got shit on a while back when Affinity was everywhere because of that. I, it's like I can't remember the name of it. It's like four or five mana. We talked about it last week. It destroys all artifacts and enchantments. It's like fracturing gust. Or yeah, something. fracturing gusts. Maybe that's it. But whatever. It kills everything. Yeah. Well, that wouldn't that would fuck this deck up. Right? Yeah. When that when that card's playable, if it if you can afford to dedicate slots to it, then yeah, like you don't really care about a fin you don't really care about enchantress. Like, oh, it's turn six and they're drawing four or five cards a turn, or whatever. And they can make twenty mana, and they've got two solitary confinements. I'm like, okay, on my turn, I tap five, and I'm gonna destroy everything you love. Yeah. So a perfect example of this. So you've got force of vigor, which. Is good against this, but it's not, it's not as backbreaking. It's, it's, it's not enough. When, it, unless you catch them, like there's like that one or two like critical turns, and if you don't catch them right then, it doesn't matter. And, and sometimes then, if you do, they can rebuild so well. Right. So you've got, you've got like force of vigor. You've got engineered explosives is decent. Yes. But you don't have the the metagame currently is not tuned to beat Enchantress, nope. where it's all in on these enchantments. It's a very linear, very all in mm -hmm. game plan, but it's not the metagame's not tuned to beat it. Nope. It's kind of like Affinity on off weeks, where like you can pop up with Affinity uh -huh. because no one's running Stony it's, Silence. To me, it's kind of like Reanimator. Reanimator's yeah. like that too. So where it's, it's like well, it's the same principle. Like yeah, you're very you're, everyone put away their ley lines. You're you're playing solitaire and trying to accomplish a single thing. And if I accomplish the thing, the power level is so high, you're just, you're screwed. Yeah. Now there is a lot of ways to stop me from accomplishing the thing. But yeah, if you're not prepared to stop me from doing the thing, like I'm going to do that thing really quickly and you're going to lose the game really quickly. And that's, um, Enchantress is very much like that where they get to turn four. They're producing seven, eight mana a turn. They're drawing five or six cards. There you just, there's, there's nothing you can do. And they have good, they have really good removal with on thin ice. It's an amazing re yep. piece of removal in this deck where it takes literally anything you care the about one white. and tucks it away. Yeah. And underneath something you probably can't kill. It's very hard to kill. Yeah. 
and they're going to be, and they churn through their decks so fast. They're going to find the first one immediately. They'll probably find the second. I've had plenty of games where I have three of my permanents under thin ice. Yeah. Uh, again, another thing I want to shout out, Jund, top 32. Straight up Jund. We've got Ragavans and Tarmogoyfs and Liliana the Veil. Like somebody did not want to buy new cards. Correct. Riveteer's Charm is the newest card in this deck. <laughs> Riveteer's Charm. They do have Season Pyromancer, yep. I guess. Season Pyromancer. Again, Jund is very good. It's it's one of those things where it's like there's nothing wrong with any of these cards. There's just probably better things to be doing. Yeah. Where like it's it's perfectly playable if you it's it's right there where like if you want to run Jund you can. Yep. Yeah, it's 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 in that enchantress spot where like it's a really good deck. You're right. It's definitely not as good as Merktide. And it's not as good as it used to be. But it's definitely good. Again, yeah. you don't sit down and you don't realize your opponent's on Jund and go, Oh, thank God. You're right. st- Oh fuck. <laughs> I still had to deal with this. Yeah. So but yeah, just wanted to give a shout out to yeah, some, some spice since we didn't cool really decks. have time to anything to talk about yeah. in the top eight. The top eight isn't particularly interesting. Yeah. Uh we will run through the metagame summary really quick. So we've got Merktide Region eight copies at 25%. The same as last week. Atrocious. A lot less in the top eight. And so I think either they just played worse or they had bad beats or uh, people came a little more prepared to fight Merktide this week. Uh, Emperor was talking to us on our Discord about that and he had a good point where like, you know, the number is still high, but we're not seeing in the top eight. He, uh, he was talking about how like he thinks that's an implication of like, like, you know, highest percentage of deck, not necessarily best deck. I would say that's last week that was the complete opposite where Merktide was all over the top eight. So, well, and it's one of the things you kind of have to... It's a little early to say that, I think. Well, there's a lot of... This is where stuff gets a little into kind of this gray area where it's like, well, it's obviously popular for a reason. It, it is really fun to play. It is, but it's... I mean, when you're talking about high-level tournaments, people, for the most part, are playing the most fun deck. They're, they're gravitating toward Merktide Regent and Expressive Iteration because they're incredibly powerful. Yeah. So it's it's clearly one of the decks you should be playing... So it's you get into this kind of situation where it's like, well, a there's variants, so you have to throw that into the mix. Uh-huh. Or like the decks just have bad decks and players have bad weeks. Yep. So that's just the thing. But then B, you go, well, it's everywhere. So not only A, are you going to have worse and worse pilots adopting the deck? Yes. So that's going to drag down the win rate. But also everyone's packing sideboard hate for it. Yeah, people are so more like, and more prepared for it. That's one, and it's the same thing in Legacy where it's just like, well, I mean. Delver's win rate isn't oppressive. It's not the 56% or whatever their yeah. arbitrary number is. It's like, yeah, it's only 2% lower than that. And it's like, yeah, that's because for a year and a half or whatever, it's been the best deck. Yeah, You've got six to eight sideboard cards against it, and it still is yeah. 1% or 2% away from what yep. Wizards claims now, is bannable. It, it might, what might be holding it back from being banned is it might not be seeing enough play in lease. People might be moving off of it on Which leagues. is that's a, re- dun- that's a dumb metric to not ban It's the worst a possible yeah. metric. So I was watching Spine Spike the other day, and he brought up a thing about how, like, fun is a real important factor. Now, he does almost entirely leagues, and it makes sense in leagues, where fun does matter in leagues. Yeah. Leagues are relatively low stakes. They're relatively low entry. Um, and so, like... A league ma- is a Friday night magic. It makes sense that you're playing next to have fun. But, like, that argument does kind of fall apart when you're talking about bigger tournaments. I went to a measly little 1K, and I'm playing Reanimator. The only thing I care about is slamming an Archon as soon as I can... And like the, de- the the game, the deck's very repetitive. It's a fucking combo deck that is, it's A B, put the thing on the board, you and win the game. And like never once do I go into like I go into round four or five being like, oh, I guess I'll yeah, end of your turn, I'll discard Archon. My turn, I'll reanimate it. I'm just like, okay, I gotta win this round. That's all I care about. Well, okay, and guess what? Round is you one. You probably had a lot of fun, and I had a lot of fun winning because rounds. Because that's turns all that matters. Out, regardless of how 
you feel about your yeah. deck. Winning is also fun. I, well, like I didn't care about doing the thing as much as like my opponent conceding. Right. And, like that's when you're playing a larger tournament. That's all that probably really matters. There's definitely a non-zero number of people that want to show up and do the thing and have fun, and that's cool. I'm more concerned with showing up and winning. And it's fun to win, and I don't care if I win in a boring way because right. I just want to win. Well, I mean, a good example of this is there are still people who are running Affinity. There are people who are running Jund. I mean, the, Glimpse combo. Again, yeah. that's what I mean. Like, there's plenty of room. No one is running Murktide Regent because it's the most fun deck to play because, quite frankly, it's not. Yeah. It's, it's not. It it's doesn't not doing do anything particularly interesting. It doesn't do the coolest thing. It doesn't no. even do a cool thing. It taps two mana and makes an 8-8. Right. So... Anywho, rest of the summary. Sorry, yeah. Uh, four Yawgmoth decks, four Living End decks, 12.5% each. And then Affinity, Hammer Time, Enchantress, all at two each. And then a bunch of Affinity! Affinity brought two decks in the top 32. Yeah. Most played cards. Ragavan, Counterspell, Mistress Bobble, Unholy Heat, Lightning Bolt, nothing new there. Uh, top creatures, Ragavan, Ledger Shredder, Endurance, Murktide, Charlotte's Agent. I stand by that Ledger Shredder isn't that great. It's good. It's not amazing. Top spells, Counterspell, Mistress Bobble, Unholy Heat, Lightning Bolt, Special Federation. By the way, talking about how Ledger Shredder isn't that great. Don't see very fucking many of those in the top eights, do we? Mm. I just like, I'm a huge aspiring Spike fan. I mentioned him three times in this podcast. That dude loves to suck his own dick on how good Ledger Shredder is and that he called it. And it sees play in maybe one deck. That sometimes makes well, it's it... found its niche in modern in this list. Yeah, that's basically it. It's so sees... like it sees a little bit of play in pioneer, and it sees a little it... bit of play in legacy. And it's <laughs> it's well, it's kind of what I talked about a little bit. Where like I, it gets a little more powerful. Like I didn't think it was going to be good in legacy. I think it cost too much. Yep, it's I'm, okay. I it's... wasn't sure. And it again, it's it's playable but it's not definitely not required nope like you can either run it or not and it seems to be your preference of build or meta call yep pioneer it seems to be in you've got your blue red phoenix lists which is exactly where it should go 100 where it can actually utilize the graveyard a little bit and then where it's seeing the most play is obviously in murktide and modern yeah and it's and it, basically it's nowhere play. Else. again it's the second most played creature like it definitely is seeing play. It's in 20, 28% of decks. Yes, it's in 28%. 25% of that's Murkai. Yeah, it was the same deck. So there's like literally one other yeah. deck that has, has yeah. it in there. And if I remember correctly, it is, let's see if I picked it. It's usually a four of. Um, I thought it was in the Archon list or the Archon, four color Archon of Rule. Oh, it's probably in Grixis Death Shadow. Oh, and is it Legacy, you mean? No, I'm talking oh, about in, in modern. Oh, you mean in modern? Yeah. yeah. It's in Grixis Death Shadow, which is, again is a very similar list where it's like, well, we're going to run Ledger Shredder, DRC, and Death Shadow as opposed to Murktide. Yeah. Like it's it's a good card. I just it's not that great. It sees play in one or two decks. Yeah. Alrighty, Matt. So um, once I'm again, sit back and let you complain about stickers. <laughs> we've got a very long episode this week. We're already sitting like around an hour and a half, but uh, I do want to talk about this because it's one of the biggest. So this is this this podcast is for. Uh, people that like eternal content play eternal formats and s several months ago we talked about how watsy was just uh shoving its dick down our throat if we like playing eternal <laughs> if you formats put it bluntly <laughs> i think i think what i said was like obviously these are joke formats because they're taking the joke set and putting it in the formats they're taking the joke set and putting in all the joke formats yep. and that's going to be vintage pine or not vintage pioneer vintage Legacy, Popper, and Commander. And we've gotten some new news on the Unfinity sets. So 
If you haven't heard, um, Unfinity are the silver border cards, the unsets. They're yep. silver border. They're not tournament Unglued, legal. Unglued, unhinged. They're just for fun, and they do stupid things like throw this card at your opponent, does a thing, or like my favorite card was like the what's the chicken? It's the flavor chicken, and it's like it's a card that you can like tap it, and you ask a third party if you have to explain the situation and ask if the flavor makes sense, and if, it, if the person says no, then you they, you counter the ability. Like, yeah. If you're like, I'm going to lightning bolt, you know, since your Emrakul, whatever, or since your 10-10 has some damage, I'm going to lightning bolt it or shock it and kill it. And you're like, does that make sense? This giant creature is getting shocked and is dying. And for whatever reason, and that reason being that Morrow loves Unfinity, Unsets, and he's the only one, we decided at this time to make them black border and make approximately half of them not legal and half of them legal. The only way you can tell if a card is legal is whether or not its hollow stamp is an, is acorn. an acorn. Yeah which is really close to the regular spherical hollow stamp. So if you look at the bottom of like a rare mythic card, it has that little shiny hollow or that shiny oval. And that's like supposed to be like the, this card special. Well, and it's to be fair that the biggest reason that's on there is it's supposed to be an anti counterfeit yes. measure. Yeah. And usually you see it on the higher end cards, the, the ra- higher rarities. And so on these newer, on this set, if it's an acorn, it is not legal. Other than that, it looks exactly like a normal card. So, like, I'm looking at this animate object card. It's four and a blue. You get a ticket. We'll talk about that. But you choose an inanimate object you own from outside the game, put a power and toughness sticker on it. You may also put a name sticker, an art sticker, blah, blah, blah. You get to go be like, hey, my cell phone is now a blue cat with power, toughness, four, five. Uh, that's not a real card. It has an acorn on it. Other than that, though, it looks exactly like you'd expect a card to look versus yeah. something like a Carnival Carnivore, which is five and a black for a four six death touch. When it enters the battlefield, you get a ticket and then you may put a sticker on a non land permanent you own. That's legal in po- uh, that's legal in Popper, in Commander, in Legacy and Vintage. <laughs> so, Jake, you said a lot of things like stickers and tickets. What does all that mean? What I'm going to do is I'm going to read, there's a little paragraph where uh, MTG Goldfish put an article up and they summarized it. I think their summary is is as good as it's going to get to to bring you into this. So I'm going to read theirs. This is coming from MTG Goldfish. Does it say who wrote it? It just says by MTG Goldfish. I don't see the author. No byline. Huh? No byline. Okay. So I would love to quote them. I I can just quote MTG Goldfish. The quick rundown is there are cards that give you tickets and allow you to place stickers on permanents you control these are literal reusable stickers that you peel off the sheets and place on cards so far we've seen stickers that give abilities like give a creature shadow modify its power and toughness like make it into a one five or modify the art or name of the card there are 48 sticker sheets and from what we've seen sticker sheets have about three stickers each on them there's 48 unique sheets You choose 10 sheets to be part of your 10-card sticker sheet sideboard for each 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 of your decks. And then, sorry, and they must be unique. You have to pick 10 unique sheets. At the beginning of the game, you choose three of them at random, and those are the stickers that you can use for that game. (laughs) Jeez, this is so hard to read because there's so much stuff here. And it's all dumb. Uh... Stickers remain on cards when they move between public zones, so on the battlefield, in the graveyard, and in exile. But they come off when transitioning to private zones, like your hand or the deck. When stickers come off during a game, they can be reused later. And remember, these are Legacy, Vintage, Commander, Pauper, Legal. Be sure to check out previews for their spoilers. So, it's literally a sticker. 
uh, Watsy has come out and said you can use uh, post-it notes, basically. And like, so like, I guess these stickers are going to be kind of like post-it notes in their stickiness, but they're supposed to be reusable. It's uh, the sticker sheet is like a small magic card, is a magic card, and it'll have like three stickers on it. Like this one's called Urza's Dark Cannonball. It's got like a squirrel, a, literally a beanie hat, and what looks like a beanie baby. And it has these stickers that you can purchase with tickets. So you have cards that create tickets like uh, Carnival like the, Carnivore, yeah. which Matt made a very good uh, association. They're basically like energy. Yeah. You get energy. You get this resource you get to spend. Another common one you will you could see is Wicker Picker, three-mana colorless artifact creature. Uh, it's a two-three. Creature spells you cast have sticker kicker one, meaning that whenever you cast a creature, you can pay an additional one, and if you do, you get a... Um, get a ticket you get a ticket now let's looking at urza's dark cannon cannonball you can pay two tickets and you can put a sticker i believe how this works i'm not positive i believe this how this works you can pay two tickets you could put a sticker onto a creature and that creature gains exalted exalted so it has exalted twice so if it attacks alone it gets plus two plus two or i believe you could put two stickers on a creature a a non-land permanent i should say and it has power toughness one five now, I don't know what happens if you put that on the land. If the land is power toughness 1-5, there's a lot of unknowns here. We're, we're treading water, <laughs> barely. You can pay three stick, uh, three tickets, and you can put a sticker on a thing, and it gets shadow. You could pay four tickets and put it on a sticker on a thing, and it gets uh, power and toughness become 7-4. You can only put stickers on permanents you own, so you can't put yeah, stickers on your you own. opponents. Cards you own, like your opponent's lands or whatever. Um, or it would be their lands. But I, I believe you can put stickers on a non-land permanent. Yeah, it might be. I think what you can put them on depends on the card. But in oh, theory, they can go on different things. Yeah, because like, yeah, Carnival, Carnival, Carnivore says you can put it on any non-land permanent you own. Um, this is a fucking joke. This is a, this literally. Is a, this is a joke set, and this is a joke where we're literally pulling sticker packs out of our deck boxes and putting stickers on our cards to do a thing. And one is also kind of relevant. These stickers don't say anything on them independently. So, like, if you put the beanie sticker <clears throat> on your Jace or whatever, it doesn't say anything about what that sticker means. That's yeah, just Jace wearing a hat. Yes. If you're running, if you've got a, you know, Merktide Regent and you give it Shadow, you just put a little squirrel sticker next to it, and now it has a squirrel on it. And that's not a huge thing to keep track of, but, like, these stickers do absolutely nothing well, to tell you what they do. Jake, what they do is they make the game more fun because what magic players need are squirrel stickers on their cards to make magic fun. <laughs> so we're all pretty sure this is Morrow's idea. And if Matt wants me to edit this out, uh, Morrow and this can suck my dick. <laughs> I hate this so much. Uh, we called this as soon as they came out and said, we're going to make the Unfinity sets blackboard and some of them will be legal. And they immediately spoiled a two-card combo with Dual Caster Mage and Saw in Half. Yep. Where at instant speed for, it is for, it is six mana, but at instant speed you can make instant, in, infinite Dual Caster Mages. And we were like, they might fuck this up. And then we had people yell at us being like, you guys are being stupid. They haven't shown anything that's bad. They ha They won't make anything a problem. They're literally giving us packs of stickers to put on our fucking cards. <laughs> So and then when you're done with them, you have to take the stickers off. Yeah. So the funny. So I'll chime in here a little bit. Um, what I would like to say about this is a couple things, and a couple of them have more to do with us than the the topic itself. So I forget how many episodes it was ago. It's been a while because this this the uh, this set actually got delayed. 
Yeah, um, it's, it was. This so, was supposed to come out like three months ago. So it's been, and it's coming out in like September now. Yeah, it's been a while since we talked about this issue. So it's probably been twenty or maybe twenty or thirty episodes along. Uh, we got more feedback about that episode than we had before or since December second. Yeah. Episode unbelievable unexpected and unwanted yeah so if you'd like to hear our full opinions about that check that episode out yep um but be fair to be warned like we kind of both go off like that episode i was kind of in jake's seat where like i was enraged like it was hard for me to like die that was me dialing it back as much as i could i was pretty upset about this uh since then um i still am upset but i've kind of just like i heard this news and i was just like yep like, that's this is, what we talked about in December. This that's exact, why you don't do this. Exactly what we talked about, and that like it's the tagline I've had is the joke set for the joke formats. Yep. It's a it's a joke. This is a joke. Your deck that you play for Legacy that costs you four thousand dollars to build is a joke. If it wasn't a joke, they wouldn't be selling you stickers to put on it. Yeah. So, um, this all, in my opinion, boils down to the fact that Commander is the most popular format by far uh because kitchen table is not a format yeah it's not uh and i i don't even necessarily believe when wizards like oh kitchen table magic is the most popular like how would you know that yeah you can't they have surveys you can't cater to a demographic that has no way to be surveyed right so i'm sure kitchen table magic does get see quite a bit of play but as far as actual formats go commander is by far the most played format Uh that's been true for a few years now and everybody knows it yep it has it is thoroughly surpassed even if it always had surpassed it has on paper surpassed every competitive format in play probably most of them put together and in my opinion at least for the vast majority of people i know commander kind of took the place of what would be called kitchen table format i don't know hardly anyone that plays 60 now to be fair the people i know are pretty entrenched in magic yeah but almost no one just plays casual like 60 card decks or anything it's like if you want to play a casual format you play commander so this is data point one commander is everywhere yep. it's basically probably a third of magic by itself data point two morrow loves the unsets that always has that's we don't even need to reference that like you can just google that and you'll see that there's all kinds of shit like that's kind of his yep. baby data point three uh Watsy needs to make money. Yep. And Morrow has a ton of influence over Watsy. Yeah. So they're going, why can't they're looking at this going like, we want to print these sets because they're kind of Morrow's baby. Yep. But no one plays these cards. Well, like, look because at because they're not legal. So they're trying to force this stuff into Commander. Yeah. We have product delays and product um shortages all the time case in point double masters there's a big thing about how we didn't have enough of it and dozens of reasons why we didn't have enough double masters it ran out super quick like we're wasting cardboard and print time on unfinity sets right that no one cares about you know there's one reason people care about unsets you get the, cool lands. you get cool lands and this is what drives me nuts is and so the problem with that is they've already they've shown Mario we don't need to do that because we can sell them in secret layers right but what drives me nuts here is they've taken, they're trying to inject these cards into a casual format. So there's a couple different angles of uh, attack here. So they're the reason why, in my opinion, they're getting rid of the silver border is to make it more acceptable to play these in commander sets or commander decks, which to me just kind of, it's a little bit deceptive because like the acorn cards still aren't legal, but we're trying to make it so they're slightly more acceptable because Morrow, he's said multiple times he doesn't know why people don't play 
uh un cards yeah. in commander and it's like well because they're not real cards and they're not legal that's yeah. why the cards are fake the cards are fake they're not real cards like I own, that's why we're not playing them there in the stores there's a there's an unset you can buy it's a box and it comes with a bunch of like half decks yeah. mm-hmm. like i bought that for me and my wife we played around with it a little bit like we played like we we played most of the combinations we're like i'll play these two colors you play those two colors we did it like four or five times it was fun and we've never i pulled the lands out and the box has been sitting closed for the last year and a half right because it's like why would i play these cards there's there actually are some really fun cards in there it's kind of cool but why would i ever like we've played them all why would I play them again? Yeah. And the problem is the decks, the the deck, the cards are kind of bad, so the decks are bad. So you see most of the cards in a game because it takes fifteen turns to right. win. So like I only need to do this a couple times, but so so we've got this. We're trying to push this into commander, which it, so I'm I am getting to a point. It's taking a long time to get there. So we're pushing this onto commander, which if you wanted to play these cards anyways, you could already do. So like if you have a play group, yeah. You roll zero this, and you go, guys. I really want to play Earl of Squirrel, and oh, most most people wouldn't even care. Lots, and- of, I've seen lots of groups at card shops. You see randos come together, and they like because it's it's Commander. Who cares? Right, we're there to have a good time. It's not competitive, so most people would rather you play Silver Border cards than like Winter Orb. Right, exactly. I mean, that's the that's the point I'm getting at. Is like Commander. If you if you have a play group, you can already play these cards. You don't need to make them black bordered. And you don't need to force them into these uh, competitive formats. And what they've done is they they're basically sacrificing legacy and vintage and popper on the altar of wacky commander fun. Yep. When they don't even need to. And I, what drives me nuts, and I've said it multiple times on this podcast, wizards keeps they ha, they wizards makes the rules, and then they pretend like they're forced into these decisions because of the rules. Yeah. Well, they're like, well, I mean, if it's legal in commander, it has to be legal in legacy. No, it doesn't. Nope. You're the you're the people who decide that. There is quite literally nothing stopping them from going, these cards, if the rules committee wants them legal in commander, that's great. But these cards are not legal in constructed formats like vintage, legacy, and popper. Yeah. There's quite literally nothing. Yeah. Like, but the only thing that's stopping them is they know that if these cards aren't legal, they don't sell as well. Yeah. Period. Like is the implication that we're too stupid to un- to to remember the different of different ban list? Like if you're entrenched enough to be playing Legacy, the, you can. It probably... already well, it already exists. You can't play conspiracy cards in Legacy. Yeah, you can play cards from the set, but you can't play conspiracy cards in Legacy. They've already done this multiple times, and that was the way to handle that. Yeah, you go. We really want to do this draft only set that uses this cool mechanic called conspiracy, where it has to do with what cards you draft. Yep, that's awesome. Those cards don't need to be legal in constructed formats. Nope. We already have the precedent. And the funny thing is the cards, there are cards that, like, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, what's the elf trader guy, the the Sultai elf? I can't remember his name. Oh, uh, Leovold. Leovold. He saw a ton of play and was really expensive because he came out in either Conspiracy 1 or 2 mm-hmm. and was like 60 or $80 for a minute until he got reprinted because he saw play in a very slightly, like, a limited print run. Yep set but he was legal in conspiracy in legacy whereas the conspiracy cards weren't like this is not that complicated it's not especially like especially for people that play entrenched formats like legacy modern maybe even pioneer like we maintain what cards are legal we understand how to build around a a ban list we although to be fair it does like the modern what sets are legal in modern is starting to get a little convoluted. Oh, it is. So like 
I already know this, but if you're just a regular Magic player, a relatively new one, when that new Lord of the Rings set comes out, that's like there's no reason for you to think that that's modern legal, but it is. Yeah. It didn't go through standard. It's just a supplemental product that they have decided is modern legal. It is. Yes. Are you sure? I'm 100% positive. The Lord of the Rings set is modern legal. Isn't it Lord of the Rings? Isn't that the standard set? I don't think it is. This I don't think Lord of the Rings is a standard set. I will look into that. Yeah, it's again, it's another bullshit thing, and I could be wrong. I don't think I am, but I mean, I'm not perfect. But if I remember correctly, it's effectively a modern Horizons. Mm, that would be okay. That could be true. That could be true. And so we've got so what's legal and modern now? We've got yeah. all the cards that have been in standard and these modern Horizon sets and I mean, the sets, the modern mastered ones are just reprints, but anything that's been reprinted in modern masters and now the Lord of the Rings thing. So it was either Lord of the Rings or Warhammer 40K. I can't remember which one. I The Warhammer 40K, those are, those definitely won't be. Those are pre-constructed okay. EDH then, decks. Then it, is, then it is the Lord of the Rings one. That is modern legal. That's hilarious. I'm, I'm reading the announcement now. Yeah. Like, there's no reason for any of this. There's no reason at all other than to try to cash grab people to make this unset legacy legal nailed it like all universes beyond product the set will not be legal and standard but modern and historic legality provides the greatest opportunity for the most people to experience which means that is also going to be in legacy so gandalf will be able you'll be able to put a christmas beanie on Uh gandalf with a sticker and swing that at your rick grimes from walking dead Uh like at what point do we just stop the nonsense? Like, did not know that. It's one of the things I've yep. like. It's Pioneer jump. has kind of taken. It's you were going to say it's jumped the shark. It absolutely has been. I didn't mean to like cut no. you off there, but Pioneer has kind of like I love Legacy, but it's Pioneer's gotten to the point where like that. When I think of playing Magic, it's either EDH or Pioneer. Yeah. Pioneer currently, and this is the way modern used to be. Every set has to go through standard, and the funny thing is the name. Of standard makes a lot of sense because it's the seems to be the only time they actually have standards with what they yeah. print. Like so like Pioneer doesn't have any of this crap. Legacy is just getting dumped on. Yep. So like what's the incentive to keep a six thousand dollar deck yeah, so I can run Galadriel it's, with a kitten sticker? They just they think they think it's a joke. That's I'm not even like I have tuned down a little bit or a lot on like the whole like I'm upset about universes beyond or it bothers me about the the lore and that like these cards look dumb. I have turned myself off on a lot of that. We're like I don't really care anymore. Whatever. It's just the world we live in. Uh, this has been a new like boot to face where it's just like this is stupid. This is a joke and this is Morrow shoving it down our throats that you're not having fun correctly. I'm gonna make you have what happened to being able to opt out to the to this stupid stuff like. Well, their opt-out is you don't play this format anymore. Yeah. Like, this product isn't for you unless you play, I mean, literally EDH, Legacy, Popper, or Vintage. You can knock Vintage off. Sure, whatever. Popper is pretty big. Legacy's pretty small. I'll go it's there. EDH is huge. Oh. It's a joke. You're a joke. Your format's a joke, and we told you that by putting the joke format in your joke, or the joke set in your joke format. Yeah. And the only, to be fair, the only reason, in my opinion, Legacy is small is because of Wizards of the Coast decisions. Yeah. Between the reserve list and the refusal to fix the format when yeah. it's clearly yeah. broken. Go back a year and a half ago, it was definitely the format being or definitely the format being expensive. Right. Now it's both. The right. format sucking and being expensive. I mean, it can't deal with both. Yeah. So all right. 
that was the complaining I wanted to do. Let's wrap this up. I want to add one thing. Oh, go ahead. Because we'll, we're going to sandwich this. Sure. We'll end on a positive note. And I'm a little... The funny thing is they even screwed this up. Of course. There's a card called Far Out. It's an enchantment. It's two uh, generic and a white. Rather than choose the indicated number of modes for spells and abilities you control, you may choose one or more modes. You can't choose any more mo- any mode more than once. That card is a really cool design. Yep. And it's not even fucking legal. It was kind of Because there's a couple interactions that make it weird. And it's like, you're telling me there's a couple interactions that make this weird and that's what you're worried about in yeah. the set with fucking stickers? You ever heard of Chains of Mephistopheles? <laughs> right. So but that card is super cool. It's funny you mentioned that. I was listening to MTG Goldfish recently and Saffron Olive had a big complaint and it's, I didn't talk about it as much, but so Saffron Olive saw that card and spent like five minutes theory crafting in his head all the fun things you could do and then noticed the tiny little ache, oh, yeah. I can't play that. Right. And that's what the set's going to be. And that card looks like exact, like that's the card. I look at that and I go, well, clearly that's a card that's legal in a eternal form. Yeah, that looks, that looks, it could be real. That 100% that card could be real. Yeah, based on the art. Well, based on the art, what it does. Yes. Like that uh, is 100% an ability you could see in magic. A three mana mythic enchantment. Right. Yeah. And yeah, it's like. And not only did they take the card that is really cool, they then fucked it up. By not making that one legal because of a couple weird... Can you imagine? I mean, you cast Archmage's Charm and you get to do all three. Uh, like, yeah. that's so cool. And that's worth building. Like, you could build a deck around. Uh-huh. You could try, for sure. Well, you just build a charm deck. Yep, you could have a lot of fun a with A charms and commands. Like, that card is super cool. Magic Cryptic Command. Well, not to me. Again, so you print that. If it's a problem in Legacy, you ban it. Although, it'll take them a year and a half to do. And that card would be God. awesome in in Commander. It'd be so fucking funny, though, if they did that and they banned that before Merktide Expressive Iteration. <laughs> Far out's too big of a problem. Way too much of a Go problem. Go back to beating each other to death with 8-8 eight, eight flyers <laughs> for two. Oh, that's funny. Let's wrap this up. I still, because I want to do Pioneer this week. We didn't we didn't get, or not Pioneer, well, we do Pioneer, but we didn't get any Patreon content last week, and I want to do it this week. So yep. we're going to do it. So uh, as we wrap our episode up, I do want to give a final shout out to Emperor, Ramblin' Rogue, Derek, Ashley, Eric, Monowolf, CJ. Thank you all so much. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Cantrip Cartel. You get some sweet perks. Like I said, Emperor just got his shirt a couple days ago. Monowolf's getting his shirt in the mail. You sign up for that $10 tier month. We send you merch after a couple months. You get some cool perks like forcing the issue, making us talk about some interesting topics. Uh, and all the support always helps a ton. Uh, shout out to the Planeswalkers podcast. They are recording again. Uh, Discord.planeswalkerspodcast.com, twitch.tv forward slash Planeswalkers. Check out their content Mondays, Wednesdays, and everywhere quality podcasts are found. You can hit us up at cantripcartel at gmail.com. You can email us. Sorry, you can hit us up on Facebook, Cantrip Cartel. You can at us at Cantrip Cartel on Twitter. You can even follow us on Instagram at Cantrip Cartel. Small side note, I had to go to a, a company to... Um, I was uh, ordering some stuff, and I had to email him some files, and his email was, like, really long and crappy, so I ended up sending him, like, seven emails, mistyping it every single time. <laughs> and it made me realize how happy I was that ours is just Cantrip Cartel. Yep. Nice and simple. But, uh, Matt, did I forget anything? No, I don't think so. All right. We will see you guys next week. Yep. Have a nice night, guys. So, yeah, I guess I'll... Uh, Guess I'll pay these uh, stupid fucking tickets and give my monastery mentor shadow. Let me put a sticker on my card. Which sticker are you gonna use? <laughs> Definitely the squirrel. <laughs> the squirrel. The squirrel that gives shadow. Yeah, makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs>
fuck it, I concede. <laughs> Sweet. Oh, uh, unsummon. <laughs> so that you have to peel the sticker off. Fuck, I gotta get a stupid sticker off. <laughs> Put that sticker back on the sticker sheet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're playing Sticker Tribal, I'm playing Unsummoned Tribal. Good luck. <laughs> Welcome, step on in to the Cantrip Cartel. Chicken Matt, chatting meta games, or slinging some spells, casting ale, sipping on blue soup, and parting some veils. Glimpse of nature once upon a time, they're telling the tale of the elvish visionaries on the wildwood prairies, where the brainstorms are so fearsome, so scary, so legendary. Queering rangers cross the sylvan libraries, for when the greens and zenith would parry the clouds and turn their swords into plows. Let them rotate the crops, abundant growth in the ground. Nourish the life from the loam until it flourished unbound. Seeds of innocence burnished all the birch lorian. Mounds. Gaia's cradle exhaled, carpet of flowers unwound. Birds of paradise sang, tropical islands of sound. Allosaurus shepherd danced on dinosaur stopping grounds. Jake and Matt pondered deeply all this magic they found. Through their visions, thou and serum, they saw only for how to convey these magic stories aloud to the crowds, the masses. Make the voices heard, share the truth, the magic. Through ancestral visions, they felt compelled to draw every single card with the cantrip cartel. Draw cards with the cantrip cartel. Draw cards with the Cantrip Cartel.